Sometimes the world just needs a hero to help cut through all the noise. Well, now you have two. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another episode of Your Heroes of Noise. I am one half of this dynamic duo. My name is Steve. Hey, we're back to round numbers again. Episode 140 is upon you. How you guys doing today? My name is Dan. Guys, we're going to have a good show today. It might be a little bit shorter. I don't know if you can tell, but my voice is starting to leave me a little bit here. But um, other than that, happy to be here and I wish you all a good week. What's happening? That seemed a little bit extra, huh? That was extra, Steve, wasn't it? It seemed ending, but like, anyway, I wish you guys a good week. I know. I was, I was, that was, the whole thing was just extra. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and skip all that and be like, hey, fuckers, what's going on? <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. I mean, I'm glad that you're <laughs> feeling, I'm glad that you're at least feeling decent. I feel decent. Yeah. That, I'll take it. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I seriously don't think this is going to be the case, but there's a chance, small chance, that I might be COVID positive. We're going to find out real soon. I'm not going to say that you do have it. Uh, I hope you don't. Here's what I'll say. Like you said before the show kicked in, either way, you're sick. Exactly. <laughs> so even if you don't have it, exactly. it, you're sick. You're sick in a time where, uh, you know, being sick isn't the greatest thing going about life. So I don't want to put more on it than it is because like, I'm the kind of sick that like two years ago, I would have woken up and went like, oh man, I think I might be catching something. Well, got to get ready and go to work. You know what I mean? And uh, that's exactly what I did yesterday except that I sounded a little bit worse than I do right now. And I had to call, because I work at a hospital, had to call the boss, the boss was like, keep your ass home, don't come near us. So I went and got a COVID test today and that's where we're at. But the reason that I even threw out, there's a chance I might be posed, well, there's always a chance if you might be COVID positive, but everyone around me in my work environment is just sort of like dropping off the schedule for a couple of weeks at a time, you know? And they don't really say why, but it's, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. So the way I see it, it's only a matter of time, Steve. Um, well, you know, it's, I, I went to go get my flu shot yesterday and saw a line and just signed the declination. Really? <laughs> you didn't like, get it? No, I just was like, I don't feel like uh, sitting in that line. And they were like, why are you? Cause I always get the flu shot. And I just said, I have to wear a mask anyway. If I have to wear a mask anyway, regardless, and I'm not around a lot of people and I don't feel like having a sore shoulder today, I'm just going to mm-hmm. say, cause the, the tomorrow is the limit you either have to get it sign the declination or you're out of a job or you're going to be suspended until you get it so i'm like i'll sign the de- declination now and just get it later when there's no line but i'm still going to get it have you gotten your flu shot yet hell yeah i got my flu shot and let me tell you something uh-huh. first of all let me ask you something and then i'll tell you something did you sign that declination because there was a line and while you were like you went to go do this on work hours official so you were getting paid to stand in line to get a flu uh-huh. shot. Yes. I'm going to tell you straight up, Steve. I think you did a stupid thing. I'm just going to be real with you. I feel you. And I, and the thing is, is, in my job, I had there is actually a thing that was going to be closing that I had to take care of. And yeah. I was like, oh, God. If it's, and I'm like, you know what? If this goes, I had to take the tally. I was like, this might go for in three minutes. But the way they were doing it at the front, I'm like, no, it won't. It won't take those three minutes. I have to get back. I still think you did a stupid thing because you actually waited until the very last minute to do it. And then, so you actually did two stupid things, Steve. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm concerned No, I get it. I didn't know that it was, ha- that he came yesterday and said, oh, did you know that you're, if you don't get it by Friday? Ah, fair enough. Because okay. since I'm off site, mm. 
everything comes to be late. <laughs> like they'll come over like, oh, you didn't know that? I'm like, no, I didn't because I don't have a huddle every night. So they just come over and be like, hey, I need you to do that thing. But like when they have, you know how you guys have that, those, those things you have, those educational things you have to do online? Yeah. They give me 30 at a time. Oh, we get those. Because, we get the 30. Oh, <laughs> get they're, they're like, oh, you have to get all of these done by tomorrow. And I'm oh, like, they don't do you? that to us. No. Yeah, I have it done like within the next two days I need it done. Because I'm like, why don't you guys tell me this? They're like, you're not in the huddle. I'm sorry. Do you just handle it all in the closet? What does that mean? Like, do you, you've told me before that you have a closet you sit in when you're like either oh, watching aunt, a movie no. or They whatever. won't give me a computer. They won't give me Hiding a from the world. Yeah. I asked this, my manager, I'm like, you know what would be dope in my little cubicle? She's like, what? <laughs> a cubicle. She's like, a, she's like a, a, a um, computer. And she said, Steve, <laughs> here's what I'm not going to do. Give you a computer in that little chair. Because it's enough room where you could do, like you could do a backflip in there. And um, <laughs> Why do and I think you dip, have? I have not, but there's a desk and I have it all set up and stuff. And she's like, look, I'm not going to give you a computer so you can just chill there. Because the last person that worked there had a PS4 in there and a TV. <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And she knows it happened. Listen, uh, can I bring my <laughs> PS4 and my TV to work? <laughs> Who does that shit? Sure did. They said he would be there all the time. And I said, uh, she knew I wouldn't do that. But she's like, no, just why? There's no, it's too tempting. I'm like, it is, but I do bring my laptop, so it's the same thing. I just want to be plugged in so that I can do actual stuff instead of schoolwork. That is so crazy that someone brought a PS4 and TV to work. Does that person still work there? Yes, he's untouchable. And that's what pisses me off about the facility that we work at. There was this one time, you know the time that I'm talking about, we were literally recording, and I got a call from my boss. And they're like, hey, you're supposed to be at work. This was, uh, what was this, almost two years ago, I think? I think this was two years ago. And I wasn't supposed to be at work. The schedulers that call us made a mistake. And because I said, listen, I'm late. I disagree with what you're saying, but I'm happy to show up you know, as, as, as quickly as possible. I almost lost my goddamn job. I remember that. People are getting away with playing PS4 <laughs> in their cubicles. Dude, on, I think once you hit... Like, for me, I would have to do some astronomical stuff after 20 years. It's like tenure. It's it's like that. And also, though, they know, they're like, Steve, like, my supervisor will come in and I'll just be chilling watching a movie or whatever. <laughs> and he, but the thing is, he in his brain, he's like, I never have to ask this guy to do something twice. If I ask him to do something, even if it's out of, you know, his job description, he'll do it because the one day I'll be like, I don't have time. He'll be like, Steve, (laughs) let's just, (laughs) we're going to be, do you know how good you have it or do you not want to get, man, (laughs) you made me push pause and everything, dude. So I never complain whenever they're just like, Hey, can you do this? Or can you do a little bit of a plumbing work situation that I'm like, I might break something. They're like, if you do, we'll call the person in. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it because they know he won't complain, but it's kind of a mutually agreed thing. We're like, if we come in and he's watching Netflix, we kind of, <laughs> we kind of got to be like, okay. And I haven't missed a day. Uh, I haven't missed a, a day in seven years. I haven't gotten, have missed a sick day. So um, they take that into consideration too. Yeah. But you're also that other guy, by the way, I'm hearing you sip your coffee. You gross bastard right now. Um Water. Okay, water. You're still With gross. Agave juice. Agave juice. 
I can hear your uvula swinging back and forth in there, bro. And cinnamon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are you trying to do? It's your fault, dude. You're going to go work at a juice shop now? Here's the problem. You started this. Welcome to the Rare Earth Juicery, bro. Can I get you like a, a lemongrass with a little bit of cayenne pepper in it? It's real good for your immunity system, bro. All right. Could you do, could you do me a favor, Dan? What? Can you do, um, can you do John C. Riley as a <laughs> juice worker? <laughs> okay, guys, that's going to be a number four. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to Riley's Juicery. Uh, yeah, can I get a... Uh, what do you have? I mean, I, you have to understand this. Is, I've never been to an actual juicery before. Hold on. First of all, let me ask you something. Do you think I look like Han Solo? Because I think I look like Han Solo. People say that. That's not a good imitation, Steve. I noticed that I can, I can say, Damn. hi, I'm John C. Riley," and then it goes away. No, no. You have a great... You know what? And I'm, I've been in that mood. I could, I could imagine you saying anything in John C. Riley's voice. If I go to freaking Chipotle, I'm like, I bet you John C. Riley would be fun right now. Because I, after Moonbase 8, I've just been like, oh, yeah, I just I could see I hear him just talk, just talk and say normal things. And it would make me laugh. And I don't know if he actually talks like that or if it's a put on. I think it's a put on. You think so? Because he doesn't do it in every movie. Like the voice that I hear when I do that is from Boogie Nights. As well as, um, uh, uh, oh, God, come on. Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are the voices where I hear it. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Guardians of the Galaxy. Or maybe. Uh, um stepbrothers too oh you know dude but when has he not talked like that <laughs> i'm trying to remember the song he sings do it remember when he's sitting at the table <laughs> stepbrothers and he's saying oh, that, oh shoot. I, i'm a bit of a i'm a bit of a singer too <laughs> if you want to get down on these heavy <laughs> dude that is a great movie bro every time it comes on i'm like the only part i don't like is the end where they start talking you know when they do the whole thing on the boat i'm like Everyone loves that part. I, just like on Napoleon Dynamite, I can't watch him dancing. I fast forward it every time. It's just too much for me. But other than that, I love the movie. Too much as in like cringy? Yes. I can't deal with too much. Just like Scott's Tots in the Office, it's a legendary cringe episode. I can't watch it. Hmm. I can only go so far. Ricky Gervais, if you watch The Office from the UK, it's too much. It's too cringy. Because you're like, oh, it's so embarrassing. Yeah, I get that. There's certain things I can I can't even watch like regular TV where it's not trying to be that way. Sometimes if someone's just there and they shouldn't be on television and they're just making a damn fool of themselves, I can't do it. Or like um, back when I the first couple of years of watching American Idol when I first you know like right when it first came out, I watched like the first two seasons of it and watching all of those shows, the tryout shows. People love that stuff. It's cringy. I can't do it. Dude, he. I got a question for you. I actually asked my mom and she couldn't remember. What's that? It was on the tip of her tongue. She couldn't remember who. Was the host of That's Incredible. Ooh, okay. All right, all right, all right. There was, she hears there was, the, because she's like, I see his face. Well, first of all, wasn't there three hosts? Name. There were two. One guy was, uh, oh God, what was his name? Byron what Allen, maybe? Name? I no. think there was Byron Allen. He looks like a, a statue, really. I can see the dude's face. I don't know his name. I know. Everyone can see I can see, his, see face. his face. He's got brown hair or had brown hair. And then there was a blonde uh -huh. lady too. Sure was. Yep. But I think the black guy's name on the show was Byron Allen, if I'm not mistaken. Was Byron Allen on that show? I could be making up a name. 
Because Byron Allen's black. I know a lot of black guys. You know what I'm saying? Let me see. Uh, Byron Allen. I'm going to look right now because I think you. I think I'm right. You're not. If it wasn't That's Incredible, it was something. Oh, you know what it was? I'm sorry. You're right. It was a show that was very much like That's Incredible. It was called Real People. Do you remember that one? I do not remember Real People. I think they played one right after the other. But it was like That's Incredible and then Real People. And it was like the same kind of a show. You know, Byron Allen's net worth is insane, right? I didn't look. What is it? It's ridiculous. Hold on. Let me see Byron Allen's net worth. What's your net worth, Steve? See, that's, they always ask me that on Maja's, uh, <laughs> on his, uh, what you call it. And he, they always ask, do you have more than $5,000 in savings? And I was like, why is that the $400 million? For real? <laughs> we were just talking about Johnny Favs being like under $100 million. And Byron uh-huh. Allen has four hundred million. Byron Allen has a net worth of four hundred million. Did he invent the orgasm? Like, what is it that <laughs> made this he, guy? So what big? he does is he makes his own. When he makes his own little shows on these side networks, he owns the rights to them. So, like comics, he did that comic uh, unleashed, and it accidentally ended up just enough people watched it where it just went for ages. And he owns the rights to that and gets all those residuals in, pe- in perpetuity. So he does that with a bunch of shows that he starts and he just owns the rights and he funds them. So the network is like, well, then we're not going to fund the show if you're going to own the rights. He says, okay. And he funds it, but he keeps the residuals. Damn. $400 million. That's fucking crazy. And when I, go- when I Google Byron, net- Byron Allen net worth and I see the picture, I'm like, of course. <laughs> of course, dude. <laughs> hey, what about like... Uh- Wayne Brady. What do you think he's worth? Oh, let's hold on now. Um, okay, first you, I, we, whoever gets closest, and we can't do the and one cent thing without okay. going over wins. Go. And we're just going by what Google says. Wayne Brady. I'm saying that, let's see, he's not, he hasn't been around for Vegas. Long, old Byron Vegas Allen. He d- but he does the Vegas thing. Remember that? Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. I'm, I'm putting it all into account here right. because I just, oh. Pulled this question out of my ass. I never really gave it any thought. I'm going to just go ahead and throw out this number. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm kind of going off of Byron and in between Byron and Fabs. And I'm going to say he's worth 200 million. Oh, damn. Am I way off? Yes. So it's less than that? I'm going to say he's worth $40 million. I'm throwing out this arbitrary number because you know what? Poor people like me don't understand this stuff. Let me see. Uh, He's worth $12 million. $12 million? He's worth, tw- yeah. Fuck. I said $200 million. Shows you what I know about being rich. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I never in a million years would have guessed that Byron Allen is worth $400 million. I'm still not entirely sure that's true. Here's the thing. Oh, yeah, he is. Because he sued Com- Comcast for something recently. Ah, there you go. Like the company. And he lost. But I'm like, in order to be able to sue them, you have to be papered up because they were like, oh, no, he has a case. Because normally they're just like, screw you. But they're like, oh, it's Byron Allen. Anyway, um, Wayne Brady, well, for us, I guarantee, and some people listening to the episode, if we went to a house party of a millionaire, we would not be able to know if that millionaire is worth $12 million or $500 million. 
Whereas other rich people will be like, I can tell you exactly how much this guy is worth because he can't afford this, but he can't afford it. For us, I'm like, well, it's somewhere between $7 million and $8 billion. Yeah. <laughs> can't quite tell which one it is. He has a yacht. I'm almost embarrassed I gave him such a high number, but I just don't. It shows you where I'm at on the- uh, Because rich is yeah, rich. exactly. He shows you what tax bracket I'm in. Certainly not that. Yeah. Oh my God. I wouldn't be able to go to uh, Jeff Bezos' house and if I didn't know him and he's like, how much you oh, you think I'm worth? Shoot high. I'd be like $400 million. He'd be like, yeah, try $100 billion. I'd be like, it's all the same to me. I don't know what the difference between $400 million and It might as well be. <laughs> it might as well be. Exactly. Sure. It's more money than I'll ever have. That would be the quickest conversation. would be like, ha it was $100 billion. I'm like, huh, crazy. Nice TV. It would literally be that quick. I'd be like, yeah, you guys are all in the same a weird uh, ritual where you have fire with goat's heads. I know you guys all meet there, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're $100 billion. Anyway, show me the bathroom. So what do you think someone like Jeff Bezos, what do you think he spends his money on that gets him excited about besides like investing to make more money? Nothing. I think he's, he's going to end up jumping off of a I building. think you got, you just, I think that you get to a certain point. <clears throat> I'm sorry, hold on. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think that you get to a certain point where it's like, you know what, this is awesome, but I have kind of done everything that I can possibly do. There's nothing out there that I can buy that's going to give me that that little bit of, uh, you know, that short-term elation that people feel when they buy yes, things, you know. I, I, there's nothing mm-hmm. that I can do. It always has to be more grand because you can't go backwards. Anymore. Absolutely. You know, I don't think that Bezos is like shopping at Winco and shit like that, you know. No. And so it's like I think no. that he only gets the best of the best. I could be wrong. You never know. I mean, this is how these people keep their money. But, you know, COVID at the same time too made this man so much more rich. Have you heard about a movie called, um, what's the movie? Hold on, I'm about to find out. It's called... um, Have you heard of this movie, Steve? I just watched it. That good, huh? Daggone it. Daggone it. It was a really good movie. Shoot. Anyway, it's a documentary about... Do you know... Have you ever seen those people that you know the face, but you've seen them on things, but you just don't uh, know their names? Like character actors? Yes. Uh, what the documentary is, they're like, it, I forgot what it's called. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's about a bunch of different people who make a living doing stuff that like, I've, I'm like, oh, I've seen her a million times on this movie. But she's like, yeah, but I'm not a household name, but I'm making a living. There's a musician that's not a household name, but he's making a living. And I think when he talked about his life, I'm like, that's where you have to stay happy. You're not a multi-billionaire, so you're not hungry anymore. Look at Eminem. As soon as he made money, his rap ability or what he could do kind of, he wasn't as hungry as he was no. in the first There's season. no That's kind of. Light. He like phoned a lot of shit in, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Because he couldn't talk about how broke he was, that that hunger wasn't there. And this dude named Griffin House in the doc- documentary, he's like, sometimes I, I, like he'll pack, he packs like 200 seaters. He's a musician. He packs like 200 seat, like uh, coffee houses, you know, little concert rooms. And he's like, one day I was, I was leaving and a guy said, oh, I love your concert, dude. I believe you'll make it one day. <laughs> and Griffin was like, you just paid to see me. <laughs> so isn't this making, he said, you think you have to fill Madison Square Garden, but you can just do this and make a good living. $70,000, $80,000 a year doing this touring coffee houses, doing this thing. 
Whereas if you make a billion, you have nothing. Like Jay-Z is just good because that's, it's in his very being. Like he doesn't have to be as good as he is. It's just in his being, but he's also one of the few that was like, I would, he talked about being broke when he was broke and then talked about being rich when he was rich. He, his rap moved to where he was. And I'm like, that's a once in a lifetime situation. You're not going to find that. So being hungry, just pay your bills doing what you love to do. Jeff Bezos isn't happy. I don't care. I bet you, I know it. He's just not because there's nothing he has to strive for. Nothing. Just hella bored all the time. Oh, dude. His wife, that's why she gave all that money recently. She gave all that money away because she's like, I'm not going to be him. Take all of it. I don't need to live off billions and billions of dollars. Take it. Because she knows, oh, I've seen what this does to people. She's smart. She's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to do this. No. Because she knows I don't need $50 billion. It's a smart thing. I think, like they said in the, um, every book says, once you're able to pay your bills and live comfortably, everything after that, you will have a diminishing level of return. You're just not going to be happy. So if you say, say you make $200,000, it's not going to get happier than that. Because you can pay everything, everything's fine, life is good. Nothing is going to be as good as making that first $200,000 year. That was the year. Oh, my God. Everything goes downhill. They're like, so be careful about what you, because it's true. You're, the way your brain works, you're chasing the dragon after that. You have to just be like, you know what? I make what I make. Whatever. Life is fine. I can pay my bills. I can eat. I mean, look at Wayne Brady. He makes $12 million. That's his net worth. He ain't a bad net worth. I could be happy. Did you hear about Jay-Z's new venture? What? What hasn't oh, he done Jesus. yet? Take a guess. Oh, man. It's kind of like a natural step, given his, his uh, persona and his career. Jay. What would Jay do? It's almost cliche when you think about it, but there's money to be made. Lots of it. Um, energy drinks. Oh, you're getting closer, but but no. What is it? Marijuana, my friend. He now oh, has partnered with worst. a. He he's partnered. Why? Why is he worse? Maybe he's. He why is that? Is why does that make him the worst? Worst. Why? Tell me why, Steve. Here's what he should have done. Number one, the reason that a lot of people, especially people of color, can't get in because the barrier of entry of actually having that startup money. Why doesn't he fund some of them? What you need more billions, Jay? You need, is that what you need? Or can you maybe set up a foundation where other people that don't have the money to get into the marijuana business can do so? They've been doing it really well up till now. Okay, I literally just told you this. I'm not saying that he's done any of the things that you just said, but how do you know he hasn't? You just heard a story and ran with it. I'm just it's saying, Jay. right? Because he did the same thing. It's Jay. Well, you know, you know how he is, Jay. He did that same thing recently with uh, the... The um, Kaepernick thing. I think the answer to your question is that, and I'm not saying it makes it right or anything like that, but that's how these people get so rich. You're you know so what right, I mean? That's dude. what makes you're, no, you're that's right. what makes them who they are. They wouldn't be these people if they had the mentality of well, let me just give it all away like fucking Robin you're Hood. Totally right. Nope, you're right. You know? you're like and, what you just and said capitalism's is right. ugly. Capitalism is ugly, but at the same time, you know, he's doing his thing. Yeah, I, I, bro, you're here's the problem. You're totally right. <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten stupid rich doing that. Yeah. You just wouldn't. I don't want that. Here, you can have it. Anyway, <clears throat> for anyone that's interested, he's partnered with a company called Kaliva. Yeah. If you're looking for some of the product, it's called Monogram. And I bet you anything, 
It's crazy expensive. So just because of the name. Monogram. But everyone's getting into it now. Man Run the Jewels has their own weed. Snoop's got his own weed. Tyson has his own weed. Uh, who else? I mean, just it's just a... Tyson has his own weed? Well, I know that Tyson bought some property. Maybe it's not there yet. And maybe he sold. But I know for a fact that he had bought some property in Barstow, California, and was thinking about turning that into a big grow area right Mike there. Tyson? Yes. Oh, I would love that. He's like, who wants to buy my cannabis? <laughs> would you would you would you start your own would you start your own grow room if i could yeah hell yeah i would i th- i would go into that business i totally would i say we go into it well you'd need two hundred thousand dollars hey once this shit gets legalized across the board because it's possible i don't think it's gonna happen next year but it's possible it'll happen eventually game on man let's do it could you imagine bro being like oh you got that heroes let me get some of that. Dude, that would be... Well, I think in the next year and a half or so, it's going to be legalized federally. Can I get an eighth of the noise? And, um... Dude. Let me get that Favon special. Oh, that's just too expensive. Dude. That's like 70 bucks an eighth. Let me go... I'm going to tell you what. Let me get that, uh... Let me get that, uh... Oh, Sniff. We could just name all... <laughs> we could name all the strains. We could name all the strains after shit you say, Steve. I couldn't try it, but I would believe off of your opinion that it's great. You couldn't try it. No, I, I'm not doing that again. You go back and forth with this, don't you? Well, no. I, the edible thing, I could. The other thing, I'm just never doing it again. We've already established this time and time again why you had the reaction. It's your own fault. No one knows. Yes, we do, Steve. It's a mystery. No, it's not. You just don't be, go green into something and go, you know what? How much should I take? You know what? I would probably just take a couple of hits just until you kind of figure out where you're at. No, nah, I'm going to be Steve Hudson and just do the whole thing. <laughs> That's what happened. It was a tiny little thing, dude. That's what she said. Couple times, she's been very vocal about this lately, Steve. You and on careful. that, we should get contact information. I need to make one of those. I need to take. I need to make one of those songs for you. I know. I need to have. I've been looking for one, and I can't find it. Every time we get a zinger, we should have that. You know what I mean? Maybe I can get a kazoo. I mean, the closest that I have right now is a. That'll work, but it's not great. It's not a kazoo, though. No, not a kazoo. I could probably do Uh-oh. a better kazoo, but uh, today's not the day. Can you do contact or are you? Are you? <clears throat> this is proving harder to be than I thought it was going to be. That's what she said. <laughs> I deserve that one. <laughs> hey, real quick, Steve, before we get going, uh, I think it's important that we address something. And it's a good thing. I like addressing good things. I want to say hello to our new listeners over at Geek Life Radio. And Geek Life Radio is basically an online radio show where podcasts can submit their shows. And then we actually have a slot where, <laughs> where every Wednesday from 11 to... One, I believe, uh, Central Time on geekliferadio.com. So I've noticed lately, looking at our feed, that all of a sudden our numbers have doubled. Like we, we were getting a certain number of listeners, you know, every week consistently, and it has now doubled that. So thank you very much for listening. Hope you like what you're hearing. I apologize. Today's probably not going to be the best one of our, our shows, but come he's, back. He's almost crying. That's it. He, it brings tears to his eyes is why he's talking like this. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm finding myself getting winded as the, by the second. But I just wanted to say thank you guys very much for listening and welcome aboard. I hope you stick around. I hope you like what you're hearing. What I think is super cool is I noticed that they're actually, it's not like they're just jumping onto the newest show and that's where we see our listenership. They're actually going back and listening to the, from like from the very beginning. Ooh, so wow. yeah, I, I just happened to find that out the other day. I was looking on the first show and I was, Oh, look at these numbers here for, you know, this month for that first show. So again, welcome everyone. We really appreciate you listening. All right. Now we can do the, the uh, contact information, Steve. 
do rip it. I thought you were gonna start the rip it, the the rip it music. I don't have the rip it dip it music yet, but I will I'm get that. I'm gonna get it to you. I'm Thank you. To you. You know what is the name of that song? Rip it. What is that? That's a real song. It is a real song, but I know I don't think it's a public domain. I don't care. Yeah, like we have issues with that. <laughs> now, now you're concerned about public domain music. It's so funny you say that. I, I, I'll talk to you later on. Found out more about that whole using music on your podcast thing. Oh, yeah. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's, it's just they pick and choose who to ding. Because they're like, there was a one dude. I was real quick. One dude was playing something and they're like, we might get dinged for that. They're like, it's funny because a very, very well-known podcaster played the whole freaking CD and doesn't get dinged. They just pick and choose who to ding for it. Pardon the um, the term, but I think that maybe this could be like a Karen situation. And that's how people oh, get caught. for sure. For sure. Did you know that this is what they play? I'm going to tell somebody. And then they get the right people involved and then you have to pull your music. And it's so also we got to be nice yeah. to our listeners. We are. Oh, but we, that's why we can just play the Beatles all the time, right? Yeah, man. Let's play yesterday for the whole episode next time. Let's do that next time, mate. That sounds good. All right, That's are you ready? a really good person. All right. You're so complimentary, Steve. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do my best with this one. Hey, what's happening? My name is Dan. Welcome to the show. Sure, I don't sound like myself, but you know what? I don't feel like myself today. Do we all feel like ourselves today? I don't think so. I don't know. Let's just move along. We'll see what happens at the end of the show. Maybe we'll be back to normal. If you want to get a hold of the show, hit us up at Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. That is Heroes of Noise Podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, you can reach the show at Heroes of Noise. You can reach me, myself, and I at Dan Q Public and my man Steve over there at SE underscore Hudson Music. I implore you to go to www.heroesofnoise.com and check out the new website. It's still under construction. We have a few things that are, and we need to work out, but it's looking pretty sharp so far, I got to say. Uh, we got a new reviews page that we're working on. If you guys want to review movies, pop culture stuff, comics, things like that, uh, what else? Uh, you got a porn review? Why the hell not? Just make it stylish. Send it over to me, all right? Ask. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. I, oh, my God. I apologize, people. I'm about ready to cough here, so I'm going to end this right now. You should just follow everything we do. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna stop. Oh no. fuck, this is getting hard. I apologize. No, so that's what she said. Hey, I got a question, dude. <laughs> Why you would, said okay. it during the <laughs> during the uh, the the rundown. I'll take it a yeah. little bit. I'll take it over from here. That was the first time that I've not been able to finish that. So I apologize. You've heard it enough. I know you get it. You probably have it memorized. But I'm just saying, it was hard. Yeah, we're we're getting we're getting through. All right. What were you gonna did, say? Did right you hear here? about um? You heard about Pornhub? Yeah. Uh, what was the story? Hold on. Uh, it's not like it's the it's fresh in my memory, but something about they pulled like a whole bunch of video, right? Dude, seven million. Seven million. And what was the deal? Why did they do that? Uh, they were finding out that there was. Uh, it's a good reason. They found out that there was child porn in some of the unverified videos. Mm, that's a good reason to pull it. Instead of doing like uh, Mastercard and Visa said, you can no longer, um, you can no longer pay for a Pornhub. Um, membership using our cards and so uh mind you Pornhub was already going to try to rectify the situation and um they ended up just pulling all if you're not verified you can't upload a video that's what it said and which is a game changer uh for um like at first i was like oh this is great news but then as as always you hear the other side where you know some sex workers are like look this is how i make a living so when you just pull millions or not even pull the videos, they're like, so if you can't pay, 
people can't my people can't pay me through MasterCard or Visa. That hurts my business. And I was like, dude, it's so weird how there's different sides to everything. They did the right thing. MasterCard and Visa just, you know, they did what they thought was the right thing. But I didn't even take into consideration the sex workers that are like, um, you know, hey, this is how I make my living. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But I, I, I applaud what Pornhub did. Um, that's a lot. Seven million is a lot to make a problem that is a real problem. Um, you know, try to rectify it. And so I was like, oh, that's a cool story that, you know, I don't hear too many people talking about because it's Pornhub. And I was just like, well, you got to give them. That's a lot of videos, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and just, because, just because they like to show pornography doesn't make them bad people. It seems like they're doing the right thing, right? They are totally doing the right thing. It's, uh, uh, if anything, they're doing something that a lot of other sites aren't. The other sites are like, screw you. Then just don't watch. Whereas they are doing this humongous, um, you know, this this massive move. Now, also, though, I also get why a lot of, uh, there's there's a lot of heat going toward Pornhub's way in general because, you know, as you know, just like, what was it, Napster. Pornhub is pornography's Napster. They took down the industry almost, pretty much. They took them down. Maybe Lars Ulrich will get involved. Oh, dude, don't even mention his freaking. Do you know how mad I was at him during Napster? Looking back, he was right. It's just his voice and how he did it. So somebody got a video of me and my ex-wife. We were in a hotel. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm in Metallica. So I was with Metallica with my wife, and we all had fun in this room. And the next thing I know, it's on Pornhub. So you got to take it down, and I'm going to sue all of you. He's the worst. I got kicked off of Napster because of Lars Ulrich. No, you didn't. I've been mad at him ever since. Is Napster still a thing? You know what it is? Like a paid thing? It's still a thing. I don't know if it's paid or not. I mean, I uh, have found other ways, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's still there. What? Why are you laughing? I didn't say anything about it being like illegal. I just said I found other That's ways true. to get my music. Well, here's the thing. I get, Nap- when we really get to it, isn't iTunes or Apple Music doing what Napster did? They're just paying for it. They pay them nothing. You remember, musicians hate iTunes and they're like well maybe they could have turned Napster into something better without destroying it and now you have a billion dollar company being like hey now you get one cent on the on the whatever don't get me wrong it's not like I'm saying that they're compensating the bands for these purchases but they are paying them for it do you know what I'm saying and that's they're paying the company yes that's the difference there is money that is being there's transactions of money that are being done and that's why it's okay whereas you just have anyone sitting in their basement, sitting in their bedroom, whatever, downloading as much music as they want to. Oh, I dude, get it. That was the I mean, days. it is, the days. <laughs> what, just, listen, I rock oh. with the best of them, man, you know, but That's it so is bad. what it is when you think about it. So we can mm. sit there and act like, ah, oh, it's not, it's, it's not that bad, but we're not the ones that are losing money on this stuff. And I'm not trying to sound like I have morals. I'm just saying that's that's what I think. No, I totally get it. I think it's uh, the whole streaming thing is a game changer from porn to music. Yeah. Uh, The only one that haven't and and the only people that are still they kind of got ahead of the game were movies. They kind of got ahead of the curve because they saw Netflix and it kind of clued them in. Everyone else got kind of knocked on their back foot. It's like, whoa. Whereas movies were like, okay. We see how this is about to roll. We're going to have to figure out something to get around this situation. Yeah, and they're doing it again right now. Dude, HBO Max, man. Whew. 
Warner Brothers. Ladies pissed. and gentlemen, ladies and you know what the people are. I didn't realize one part of the story was they paid Gal Gadot and the director like a grip of money to let them stream it, and they didn't. They didn't pay any of the other people their movies. They didn't pay any of those actors a grip of money to let them stream it. I don't know why Gal Gadot and Homegirl got that money. Well, we were just talking Jenkins. about why people get rich, right? Oh, you know, it's true. it's true. Nice guys finish last, bro. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's the truth. And I know Keanu's like, what the cry could have used $10 million to stream. That would have been nice. But wait, are you telling me that I did not get that money? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I can't do him today. I apologize. I feel like I'm giving you guys a shit show and I apologize. No, it's really good. And here's the thing. I'm hearing him come out. And I'm like, that is just, it's just a swing and a miss. It's a swing and a miss. I know Keanu is just, Keanu is probably one of those like, well, that's not fair. And then he's like, whatever. He's probably the one guy doing that. I'm the nicest guy in the world. You take it. He understands. He under, I, I, he's one of the few that look at his career and say, I am lucky that I am here. Like I am here. Whereas I think some, like we always talk about some of those other actors the only actor that I believe that is just like I was built to do this thing, there's only one that was, it seemed like he was cryogenically. Oh no, here we go. Created. Bad timing, Steve. Why? <laughs> go ahead and say the name. Wait, let me look at the notes. Is this bad? It's just topical. If I if you're talking about who I think you're talking about, let me look. At you're it. talking about Tom Cruise, right? No. Oh, okay. All right. You heard about him blowing up at everyone. Yes, I did. Okay. I okay. was gonna say The Rock. He oh, was the, the only actor I think was quiet. Like, there's nothing else he could have done looking like he does. He couldn't be at our job walking around. We'd be like, I would stop him and be like, hey, you know, there's this thing called Hollywood that you might want to just walk. You might drive across the L.A. Uh, city line and someone will just knock on your window because you don't look human. And you just don't. He doesn't look human to me. I know. Speaking of not looking human, uh, God, what was the name of that movie? The, it's a football movie about him and a little girl. Do you know what I'm talking oh, yeah, about? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. I what can't the name think of the, the name of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a movie I watched a long time ago. My my wife and my daughter love it. They watched all the time, but I don't remember the name of the movie. But just a couple of nights ago, I was walking through the room, and that movie was on. Now I don't remember exactly when that movie came out, it's but we're talking movie, probably dude. at least ten years ago. Yeah, at least. Uh-huh. That man has changed so much dude, in ten years, dude. dude. He looked normal in that movie. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm not judging, okay? I'm not going to judge, yeah. and I don't want to go off on any type of judgment on people that do this, but it's, it's got to be steroids, right? Oh, dude, come on. What are you right? about? It's like a no-brainer, right? Yeah. 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 I was trying to explain that to Gail, but I think Gail was taking the side of she just loves The Rock, and, and he can't do any wrong, no, and no matter what I steroids. tell her. I'm like, those are, those are clearly steroids. Like, yeah. look at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, I, well, he just works out a lot. He's got a lot of time. I understand no. that, but that ain't no. natural. Okay? That's it's not natural. Not a nat- the way he looks... You don't get that big. Your body does not look like that without steroids. You know what that means, I'm, though? What's that? Like 20, let's say 20, <laughs> 2045, maybe 2040. Let's say 2040. We're going to have fat rock on our hands. I don't think so. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. He looks fantastic. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He looks fantastic. He's not, it's not like a, the rock's going to run out of money and can't purchase the steroids anymore. So, yeah, you're probably no. right. But I'd like to picture a fat rock, though. Like The Rock, if you put Rock next to Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day when he was winning every Olympia, he would make him look like a shrimp. That's how yeah, big those dudes we've got monsters, now. like Franco These, Columbo. Yeah, and Rock, The Rock would have walked in there and they would have looked at him and been like, "You have got to be from the future." 
you look ridiculous. He was that big. And like I said, Ronnie Coleman's the one where they're like, we have to take this down a notch. He's too, it's, this is getting insane. This is getting insane. He looked so different because he had, you know, there's a reason why he started shaving his head. So that was like the back end of him having hair. And he was so much thinner and his face looked so longer. thin, dude. Yes, his face looked elongated. He looked yes. crazy. I wish you knew who Darth Plagueis was because I was like, that homie looks like Darth Plagueis right there. But that joke just goes Darth? nowhere. Is it Darth? D-A-R-T-H. P-L-A-G-E-R. Oh, there's another Darth? Oh, there's a, there's a ton of Darths, bro. Oh, I didn't know that. I only knew one. Yeah, check out Darth he, Plagueis. He freaked me out. And when I watched that movie, I was like, they should be talking about this guy more. He's really good. Who are you talking about? Darth Vader? No, Maul, Maul. Oh, there is two Darths. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Darths, actually. I didn't know. Maul was, like, in that movie, I when they when something happened to him, I don't want to ruin it for people. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, Steve. Don't tell anybody anything. No one knows that. I was like, come on. This guy could have had his own sh- movie. He got cut in half there. I just couldn't allow well, you to. Why did they let? I don't understand I that. Do that. He was so good. He could have had his own franchise. No question. Darth Maul was dope, but is Ray Park dope? I don't know who Ray Park is. That is the guy that plays Darth Maul. Oh, he is, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. I mean, he can do some really cool shit on screen. But oh, but could he act? I've never heard movie? him do this big, like, you're 10 right. minute monologue or something like Dan, that. You're you know? very smart. Dan, that is a great. I'm sure he could not have held a movie. By himself. Lucas walked up to him. He's like, Hi there. You, you look like you're going to be a really, you look like a star. I really was watching everything you did and you look fantastic. And I think I'd like to have you audition for the movie. And Ray Park was like, Oh, thanks. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, oh, we let's not, let's that. not have him talk. Let's not do that. <laughs> oh, I guess we ought to get it. Is that how George Lucas talks? Or George, uh, that's my, that's my uh, interpretation of George Lucas. I didn't know that that's how he, I thought he had a super deep voice. I don't know. Maybe he in does. my brain, know. I thought he was like, "Hey, how are you doing?" That in- brain of yours tells you a lot of stuff. I mean, let's let's be real. It does tell me, I, but I would have. I think that was when I left the when I stopped when the movie ended. I thought it was good, and everyone else was like, "It was trash." And I was like, "Maybe I'm just not into. Maybe I just don't get it." I thought it was very entertaining. It was just bad script. I think is really what it was, and too much CGI, and also rabid Star Wars fans. All of that. True. Incl- I, hey, present party included. I thought Darth Maul was the dopest. <laughs> I thought it was like a, a two-sided joint. No, he's dope. I thought they were going to be making a series about him, and the Disney announcement didn't have anything there about that. So I don't know if they're going to place him someplace else. I know they brought him back for Solo for just a real quick scene, and that's what kind of made the jump off of, oh, maybe he's going to, you know, a new movie or something. Maybe there's still something to come, but it does make me wonder. And I know he doesn't talk the way that I was pretending he talks, but maybe that's it. Maybe he's just really good with his physical acting. And, you know, you can get a few lines out and that's about it. Because, I mean, he really said, like, I think three things the entire that's movie. That's about it. Well, the thing is, the diff- uh, my thing is, like, you have paint on your face. We can put anyone under there. True. We, we can, can put- find somebody that looked like him. Will they move like him? That's the- He was very agile and, and spry. Oh, yeah. Super dope. Had the double lightsaber. There was he was awesome, but you know, I don't know, man. I haven't seen him do too many acting roles since then. No, he's no, always like a like he was in X Men, and uh, I'm sure he was in a bunch of like martial arts movies, but I, I don't know Ray Park. I don't know, man. I just don't have a good feeling about it. Should we move on? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. You want to hear some noise news, bro? Yes, sir. Good. 
Well, hi. Welcome to Noise News. My name is Dan Ramirez, and I'm with my buddy Steve Hudson. How's it going? Let's talk about the goings-on of the Hollywood world. Steve, you want to do that? Yes, please. Yeah, let's zazz it up a little bit. Hey, as of today, CBS All Access is airing the Stan series that just came out. Are you going to watch this? I can't. I don't, I don't have All Access. Okay, I was just wondering if maybe the stand was something that would entice you enough to pay for the service. Mm. I personally have it, but then I'm going to get rid of it <laughs> once it's over. Because I'm, I'm okay with CB. I, I like it, but I'm, we're in the time where it's like I need to be picky with my subscriptions. There's just too much going on. You know what I mean? Well, did track, you watch the Twilight Zone? Too- I did watch the Twilight Zone. That's why I go, like CBS and I have this uh, on again, <laughs> off again relationship. I was about to be like, are you just cutting it off and then cutting it on and cutting it off? Pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's dope. Do. That's dope. That's what I used to do for DC Universe too, until they just proved to be garbage. So I was gone with that. But, um, but yeah, like, you know, anytime that they have a new show, because they do get some good ones in and then it's all this other stuff that you've already seen. That's why I don't have it. And when okay. you can pay, I'm not paying for HBO Max. Maybe I should pay for this more. I don't know. But anyway, as of today, the Stan series is out. Do you know who the cast is? I do not. So, <clears throat> for those that don't know what the stand is, as the world is in ruins due to a man-made plague, that sounds familiar, a battle yeah. of biblical proportions ensues between the survivors. This series stars James Marsden, uh, Jovan Adepo, Whoopi Goldberg, Amber Heard, Brad William Henke, Catherine McNamara, Alexander Skarsgård, Owen Teague, Nat Wolf. I mean, just a whole bunch of people. I'm trying to see if oh, Ezra Miller's in it. Nah, that's okay, though. I'll still watch it. <sighs> <laughs> And in a slew of other people. I might have to buy this. I don't work for CBS, obviously, but I'm pretty sure that you could do the free month thing if you've never done that before. I think I'm going to have because free month trial. I will watch anything with James Marsden. Did you watch Enchanted? I will watch most anything with James Marsden. See, I can always prove you wrong, Steve. Anyway, (laughs) this would be the I think this is the third version of the stand. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the third version of the stand. I like to compare the stand with, like, say, It from the 90s. I didn't really care for that. I know people love that movie, that series, rather. The end was terrible. I just could not get with it, even in the time where everyone was like, oh, my God, he's amazing. I like Tim Curry and everything, but I'm sorry. Let's just say it was like Tenet to me. Just I wasn't understanding it, and I didn't give a shit. So, Ugh, I, I'm not, a but I am. Don't even bring but up the that. story itself, though, Steve. Yes. Guys, I am so sorry. I'm, like, getting winded talking. Okay. But the story itself is amazing, and I'm very curious to see what this interpretation of it is like i haven't read any reviews on it or anything like that but this is what i plan to do with the rest of my day is dive into the stand nine episodes and that's it yeah it's just gonna be one season i believe have you read the book i read the book a very long time ago okay very long time ago like there was a point where i was just going through stephen king books and i was probably i mean i must have been probably like 13 years old when i read it so it's been a very long time but i've always i've always appreciated the story i do think it's one of his better ones it's just super super long and I think it was the 90s version of The Stand. Started strong and then just kind of fizzled like most Stephen King things in the 90s did. But this time around, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, he's been, they have been making better Stephen King products lately, right? Yes. The recent Pet Cemetery was amazing. Doctor Sleep, amazing. It was really good. Dude, that, is, that movie that is way, really way movie. better than people are giving it credit for. That movie is fantastic. You got, when you sent that to me, I, 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 I was in shock at how good that movie was. And I don't even care if it... Veer, like I think most movies that are made from books do veer off the course a little bit. I don't care. This movie was fantastic. The acting was solid. Oh, so I'm good. still tortured by the screams of Jacob Tremblay. You know, it's, I don't. It's, that uh, was everyone on set. I mean, when you read the story of that scene, everyone on set was tortured. 
Yeah, dude. It was it's super bothersome, even yeah. still. And I know the kid's acting. I know the kid got paid well, but to hear a kid screaming like that and then watching like them Mm-mm. inflict pain, I'll say that. I won't say what they do, but inflicting pain. Because that movie's like still it. fresh. So see, I don't mind, you know, uh holding spoilers for say that one. But you were talking about episode one. That was nineteen ninety nine. I think that one has had enough time. Hey, chill, dude. No one knows what happened to Darth Maul. That's true. You know what? I'm sorry, man. I've taken it all back. I actually have an it-related story. What's that? It's going to take 30 seconds. At the end of my shift, I was walking. Uh, I have to go through this back alley to get to finish. I was going. I looked to my left, and there was a homeless person in a clown outfit. Oh, Jesus. That's all. What did you do? <laughs> Immediately, I looked over. I was like, that is an interesting thing to happen tonight. And mm-hmm. he had a hat on and everything, and he was standing by a trash can looking at me. And I thought, oh, you know what probably happened? He's really, really cold. Someone threw away a clown outfit, put it, and he put that on because the only thing that he can get on to make himself warm. And I finished my shift. But what would you do if he was looking at you and you like, you know, gave him a an uncomfortable acknowledgement of a nod or a smile or a hello or something? I did like give that. him a oh, nod. Oh, what's up with it? Something. And then he just starts very slowly walking towards you. You could you could run. You could get away from him. But he just this is what he's doing. He's just walking slowly towards you. Would you stick around to see yes. where this? I would go would? back. To, yeah, I'd, I'd finish my shift. Yeah, that's not a no finish shifter. I'm saying, are you going to stay in that alley with crazy clowns? Yeah, I would just. I don't because it wouldn't be one of the. If he had a knife, I would be like, okay, now it's serious. But no you don't knife. know. How yeah, do you know? <laughs> because I'm like, eh. I just in my brain, I just like I'm not going to get killed by a clown. That just doesn't happen. So I just wouldn't trip. Again, I'm the black dude in the movie, probably. I just think that I, I don't see the point of waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what I mean? I'm not afraid well, of clowns. Well, he's walking and I'm walking I am, faster. I am cautious of crazy people, though, you know? Yes. But you said he's walking slow, Dan. That's true. But still. What are you going to do? You going to let him walk all the way up to you until about two feet and then go, <laughs> and then like. Oh, I'd be gone by then feet. because I'm walking faster. But you said you would let him walk up to you. No, I said I, I didn't say he'd walk. I said I wouldn't change my direction. <laughs> I would just be like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, that's just, this is, that's just you know an what? interesting thing. Hypothetical questions. That's just hypothetical questions. All right, let's do it. Do. Let's move on. All right. So this next one, Steve, I'm very curious to see what you think about this. I mm. know how I feel about this. I'm not real passionate about it, but I know yeah. how I feel. I'm uh-huh. going to go ahead and just read the caption to you, the headline, if you will, okay. and you tell me what you think. So Lily James and Sebastian Stan have been tapped to play Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee in an event series for Hulu. Seth Rogen's on board to play the man who got his hands on the infamous sex tape. Don't worry about that last sentence, Steve. What's the first sentence do for you? That is going to be garbage. Uh-huh. But why? I know why. I just want to know what you think. I just think because there is no way to, in my opinion, this is just not an interesting enough story. We just did the interesting story of Tommy Lee. We did that already. Go on. I don't want to, because in my brain, I'm not even interested. I, I lived it. I remember this story. And I don't want to watch it on TV. It was everywhere. I just don't want to. And I don't want to see those two doing it. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm clocking out. Have fun. See, I personally am good with everything. I don't care. I think Tommy Lee is a uh, very interesting person. I think, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, I'm not saying he's a great person. I think he's very interesting. He's got a lot of stories to tell. There's a lot that's gone on with, with uh, Tommy Lee and that whole thing with him and Pam Anderson. What gets me about this is that they have taken two people that resemble, they They've taken two people that look nothing like them, not even a little bit. And I don't know, Sebastian Stan, he's pretty dry. Like, I don't know if he can really do Tommy Lee. 
Can you yeah. see him being that aggro, being you know, no. being Tommy Lee? I can't see it. And no. Lily James, no, J- Lily James is a very beautiful woman. She's normal looking. I'm not body. Yeah, she's normal looking. Exactly. I'm not body shaming. I'm just saying that the the resemblance is so far away from Pam Anderson that I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with this one. They're both fine actors. I know we both are fans of Seth Rogen's work. Yeah. So I don't really know what this is going to be, but I have a very bad feeling about it. I think it's going to be a disaster. And I think it's very, getting back to the, the, uh, the dirt though, Steve, I do think that um, that was the stronger story, but there was a lot that went on between those two. So it's, it has potential to be interesting. I'm just very, I'm questioning the casting. And I, I, I'm saying that Lily James looked no, like she looks like a normal, pretty actress. That's it. Yeah. The reason yeah. the reason Pamela Lee stood out is because she looked different. I remember back in the day, I'm like, oh, show. I see why w- dudes like her. It wasn't my thing, but I was like, oh, I get why dudes like her. I to- and I was like, they could have found that. You know who would have played a good time, Pamela Lee, even though she doesn't look like her? I'm very curious to hear. Alexandra Daddario. How do you spell that last name? I got to see. D-A-D-D-A-R-I-O. Double D's, huh? <laughs> this guy. Hmm. I did not know that was her name. I like her. I know you do, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we were talking about the other day when it's like, oh, I better go check the IMDB on this piece. That's one of the ones. But, yeah, she, um, uh, she, she definitely a good... has a look about her. Yes, and she would. She's a voluptuous woman. And they'd have to change her eye because her eyes are way too. Super like, blue. Whoa, yes. You have to change the eye color. But she could be Pamela Lee. I would not be mad at that. Because she looks different. Here's another one, though. So I put this up on the Heroes of Noise community page, and Rob Forrest answered. And he's like, I'll just read what he wrote. He says, we don't really have a current blonde bombshell like Pam Anderson these days. Lily James is very cute, but not a bombshell. He says, I think that maybe the closest could possibly be, and I'm kind of in agreement with this by this picture, Alice Eve. Um, She could do it. Again, Better than Lily James, at least as far as casting goes. But she's not on Daddario. No, that's true. Yeah, Daddario is a bombshell. She was great in that movie. God, I'm so bad right now. I just feel fog brain. But it was, we just watched it, or I just watched it. It was like that uh, where there were the serial killers. We Summon the Darkness. That's the one I'm talking about. Have you seen that? I have not. Okay, dude, watch We Summon the Darkness. She's fantastic in this movie. It's a slasher type comedy, but it's, it's excellent. I think you should check it out. Dan. I know who should have played Pamela Lee. They would have had to do some enhancements, but I know exactly who should have played her. Who's that? They couldn't afford her, though. Margot Robbie. It's not close. It's not close. I thought about that, but you're right. There would have to be, there would be prosthetics involved. That's or, fine. Or the way they did Wolf of Wall Street, they just had the push-up thing. Yeah, She would I mean, have been it. But the thing is, uh, so next to Sebastian Stan, Sebastian Stan Lee, Tommy Lee Stan, that's genius. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> what's up true believers <laughs> but I think that um, next to Sebastian Stan she would just be too bright she's really a good actress they've already acted together Steve Sebastian Stan and her yeah when I Tanya he was in that he was he was the and boy- he was good he was really good. I'm tripping. Matter of fact, I like him better than that. And this is where people get mad at me. But I think he's way better than that than, say, like as Winter Soldier. He you know was what I mean? really good. Yeah, he's really good. The thing is, and I'm not knocking his acting skills. It's just 
him as Tommy Lee. Hey, get him into some prosthetics and some a wig and stuff, and let's see what we got. But oh, well, prosthetics. I'm about to make every, I'm about, <laughs> oh, I see what you did. I'm about to make everybody mad. Nope, except for you. You know, and you know what? I'm about to make one of our listeners really happy. You know who you should have just got to do it. I agree. I said that this morning. Just, just get the dude who did it well. Bring <laughs> just, back MGK because only one person on this earth should play Tommy Lee, and it's MGK. He I, even that's, that's drummed the, like him. Yeah, that's the only time I'm gonna absolutely praise this dude. Is uh, is because of this movie? I mean, I, I don't, don't know, I don't dude. Hate, I don't hate MGK. I think he's the a fun way, actor. The way he raps, cat and hat and bat and fat, though. Uh, you're on your own on this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the holidays i'm trying to be nicer <laughs> i'm not going down this road see melissa i stuck up for you i am with i am i am uh i'm not gonna watch it but uh um i think they just casted it wrong but again in this time maybe these are the only people they could have gotten sebastian stan i for now is making me rethink because he can act i told you was fantastic never that was a fantastic movie it's just a look. I, my matter of fact, I watched that movie just a couple of weeks ago, and it still holds up. It's great. It's, it's a really, really, really good. good movie, dude. That's a really good movie. That is an acting tour de force by everyone in that man. They kill it in that movie. I love that. I love that she, um, like she's she, the her her career has gone all over the place. Like she can do anything. So I'm I'm very happy. I do want to I do want a uh, sequel to that Will Smith movie though, because that was a fantastic movie. They could call it Refocused. Oh come on, Dan. Right? I should Come be writing on. this one. I know. Or Thank they you. can if they would have released it this last year, they could be like focus 2020 cuz 2020 vision is what I'm saying. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> never had it, but I'm sure it's great. Neither do I. I will now with my contact I have 1520, but it's a cheat code. Yeah, you can't say that. That's ridiculous. All right, but I, hey, listen, I'm going to move along because I think you're going to be excited about this one. This is something that I picked out especially for you. You ready for this shit? I am. Let's do it. Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin are teaming up for a six-part docu-series. First-time original masters have left the Abbey Road studio. I'm just going to read this to you real quick. It's just a little blurb. I'm getting this off of Deadline.com. Paul McCartney and top record producer Rick Rubin are joining forces on a six-part documentary series that will amount to a behind-the-scenes magical mystery tour. (laughs) I see what they did there. Of McCartney's (laughs) unbelievable musical journey. Rubin will be there to explore the music and musicianship of McCartney from his first guitar and composition all the way through the legendary and prolific success of the Beatles. The great musician releases his latest album, McCartney 3, this Friday. Did you know that? I did. Okay, well, you're really on it then. You are a super fan. No, that's because of Bucks. Bucks, so. Lastly, Endeavor Content will finance the project and handle worldwide sales, and that process is getting underway as we speak. Film 45 is producing, as is Frank Marshall, who just directed the Bee Gees' How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? We're going to be talking about that in just a second. And Jeff Pollock. The project is untitled, and it will mark the first time ever that the original masters have left Abbey Road. Are you interested? I saw, so Maj sent me a clip of the trailer. Listen. <laughs> I don't have to. I, got I know what you're going to say. shivers, dude. Shivers. They're in that dark room, and Rick Rubin, who is the Zen master. Dirty feet, though. Oh, is he always barefoot? I didn't know he was barefoot a lot. He's always barefoot. That grosses me out. Anyway, please proceed. He he going, and the thing is, in order to have someone interview Paul McCartney, you have to have someone who is not intimidated by his greatness. And that someone is Rick Rubin. 
and you also you can't have like a Stevie Wonder in there because they're going to talk about music and 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 writing. Rick Rubin can talk about it from an engineering and producer standpoint, where he's like turning down the stuff that we would want to hear. Like he's pushing up like the first thing they show is the bass line from Lovely Rita, my one of my favorite Beatles songs. And I said, oh, Ruben knows. Ruben knows. It's like, this is the one. It's It gave me shivers, Dan. That's good. That's what it's supposed to do. I don't know what you're going to say about something that we're going to be talking about in just a second. I already said, that gave me shivers. So I get it. You know what I mean? Especially when you have oh. that love already for a band or a person or something like that. And they make this docu-series or a doc- documentary. And it it's like answering questions that you kind of always think about. I wonder what he does there. I wonder what he was thinking when he did. You know what I mean? Like in the recording process. And I know that's how you think. So I can imagine this being very exciting for you. Oh, yeah. dude. Oh, when, when he put on the, when he they showed him in slow motion strapping on the bass. And he was like, boo, 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 dude. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this this is going to be, I mean, how many times am I going to watch this? I thought you don't rewatch movies or docu-series, anything like that. I thought you're not one to rewatch stuff. Oh, dude, the Songs of Kill Life making of, I watched it about 140 times. And then uh, there's been a few documentaries on music that I've watched. Like, I, I know all the, remember the VH1 behind the... Not oh, yeah. behind the music, but behind the classic albums? Yes. I've watched ones that I didn't even know what the albums were and I'd watch them. And uh, so, yeah, this thing is going to be just seeing how Rick Rubin and him interact, how Rick Rubin is going to be talking about stuff that probably is way over Paul McCartney's head. And he's going Paul's going to just be like, I guess, like maybe, you know, because he's very zen. And Paul, just his ability to just he's like a normal he's the most normal superstar on the planet. The dude is super humble. He's I will, I will say humble. that for sure. Super humble. He's just like, yeah, I'm, you know, this just, and I, bro, when Maj sent this to me, I, like, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know this is, I didn't know what was happening. It was so under the radar. I didn't even know what was happening until, like, Paul McCartney released a trailer yesterday. And I was just like, oh, guess what I'm going to be doing that whole day is going to be rewatching the episode over and over and over again. I got you, man. I felt the same way about that Bee Gees documentary. I'm kind of giving you the spoilers already on it, but yeah, I, so I know exactly what you're feeling. Yes, so I'm pumped. So I'm glad you're pumped for that. That was so for you, and I'm glad that you already knew. So hey, guess right. what, people? If you didn't know, now you do. One more quick little story, and it's more of an eye roller for yeah. me than anything. This just came out yesterday. I'm reading this from NME.com. Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville hospitalized on Jackass 4 following a treadmill accident. Listen, Johnny Knoxville. What are you, like 50-something years old now? Easily. I get it. I, I do like the Jackass movies. I don't, like, I'm not a religious Jackass fan or anything like that. But, guys, you're getting old. You got to be careful. This shit can't go on forever. You know what I mean? They got hospitalized two days into filming this movie because what they were trying to do was jump onto a treadmill while running with tubas. Funny. They're I can stupid. picture it being funny. They're stupid. But it's like, how... You know, the body only lasts so long, man. I don't know. I, I, I know that people out there just feel so undefeatable sometimes, but it's like, this is the kind of shit. Like, I don't want to have a funeral, and that's what it says on my damn gravestone. He, he died. Maybe I do. He died on a treadmill, a uh, vicious tuba accident or something like that. I think that's a weird story. I'm sort of excited for Jackass 4 just because it makes me, I don't care how stupid they are, they make me laugh my ass off. But it's like, come on, guys. Be careful. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So all you people out there that just always have to like, hey, look at me and look what I'm doing. 
slow it down a little bit, right? Live a little. It's yes. cool. I mean, maybe you'll get famous, but it's already been done, and you can get hurt. I just proved it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the noise news. I got to tell you, Steve, it's getting a little hard towards the end here to finish up, but we're going to do it. We're gonna, I'm going to power through this shit, all right? You, I hear you. I hear you, by the way. Yes. What the breathing uh-huh. is the breathing? Uh, so no, I'm it's sorry, not. Maybe. It's not. It's not noticeable. It's just if you know you, you can hear you. Yeah, I'm struggling. It's okay. We'll get through this. We just got a little bit more to go. We're going to talk about some things that we watched this week. Okay. I want to talk some, briefly about one of them. I know we have three. I don't know if you have time for three, Steve, but one of them I just want to briefly touch on. Okay, Let's do it because you you had mentioned it to me. I want to know what you think. So the movie that I want to talk about first is something that just dropped on Amazon Prime Video recently. I think it was like a week and a half ago, and it is called The Sound of Metal. Directed by Darius Martyr, also written by him, stars Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, Paul Rossi. This movie is about a heavy metal drummer who just overnight loses his hearing. He begins with a little bit of a tinnitus or tinnitus, however you like to say it, where he's got the ringing in his ears. Suddenly he just wakes up and everything is gone. I just don't know what I would do if something like that happens. And this is what this movie's about. It's like how this guy comes to grip with something that he just can't fight anymore. Just reading online, I think a lot of people went into this movie thinking that because it's called The Sound of Metal, that it was going to be like this really like punch in the face, balls to the wall kind of movie. And it's really not that. Yeah. I found this movie to be kind of a beautiful experience. Uh, it had a lot of very quiet parts in it, which makes sense. I mean, this movie is bringing deaf culture to the public eye. And the way that it was done, though, you know, it's, it, you start off the movie and it's very dissonant. There's a lot of like just distortion and shit like that. And then as his deafness kicks in you know he starts to find his way through all of this and he has to come to grips with with the reality of you know this probably isn't going to come back uh he finds uh without really getting into the movie too much he finds a community that accepts him and he learns to navigate through this but does he keep that momentum does he make that choice to stay that way permanently that's for you guys to decide when you watch this movie but what did you think steve i loved it i i it's gonna easily be in in my top for this year it's not even close. It's it's funny because I had to ask my audiology friend. I was like, "Hey, how does this whole thing work? How does the, um, you know, the hearing, the hearing, what do you call the actual contraption? Oh, the cochlear implant. Yeah, I said, how did it? How does it work? And he explained. He he went to the picture and he kind of just marked it out for me. He's like, "This is what you're not really hearing. You're tricking yeah. your brain into thinking you're hearing." That's literally what I was going to say. Yeah, and he was like, "But it won't even sound like what you heard on the movie. It's going to sound even different from that. It's there. It's like the it's the it's the deaf. It's the what what it's trying to make into sound. It's not going to ever be the same sound that you're hearing." And he's like, "Sometimes it works for people. Other times, nothing happens." You turn it on and nothing happens. He's like, that's the, that's the risk you're running. And I'm like, geez, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work. It just does yeah. not work. And, uh, you know, uh, he's the one that warned me, this is what happens. Now, they didn't say that this was the reason why it happened. But when you're, when you're playing live music really loud over and over and over and over and over again, and you do not have the protective earbuds that actually, uh, you know, the in, in-ear mixers, the monitors. Where you can, you can, and now I'm using an in-ear monitor system I bought myself anytime I'm playing live because he warned me about it. And he's like, yeah, it, this is what happens. You start your, cause your, your, your ears, they don't regenerate. Those hearing follicles don't regenerate. Once they're dead, they're dead. It's over, done, finished. He's like, so when you, 
when you're doing these things, you know, you could be damaging your hearing. And I think that's what they're alluding to here is that remember when they're like, they said, hey, what your goal is now is to keep the only hearing you have. And then the second he leaves he or, you know, within a few hours, he's banging on the drum again and it goes. That's yeah, scary, I mean, he's dude. completely in denial. He's totally completely in denial. And, and, and they tried to tell him, but. You know, I mean, I don't think that's really the takeaway of the movie, but yeah, I thought that was a, that showed reality right there to me, that scene, because it's like, I hear, I hear what you say, but you have just taken away from me the thing that I love the most. And I have to make that decision. Can I just change my life that quickly? Exactly. You know, that's what I did. And, and the way that he navigates through it, bro, is just, um, it's such a journey. Yes. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I just, like I said, I know a lot of people found this movie to be a little bit slow. I don't know if I'd call it slow. It's just very... Like, it's not supposed to be a happy experience that you're having. This no. is someone's life. This is a slice, what I like to call a slice of life movie. And you're getting this this picture of him. You know, like, in the movie, Olivia Cook plays his fiance. I believe it's his fiance, but it's also his bandmate. And when this happens, she goes away. She moves off to Paris to go live with her dad. So it's really just about Riz Ahmed for the remainder of the movie. And just his his personal journey with just like his, his frustrations yes. when he tries to do the right thing and it's not working and he you know he'll go away and he'll just like scream out loud and he can't even hear himself screaming anymore mm-hmm. and um just those those scenes and I, and I really appreciated and I know that a lot of other people appreciated too that they actually took deaf actors to make this movie. There were some people that were trying to start a stink online naturally as they always do about anything because you had someone that was not deaf playing someone that was deaf. But Darius Murder, the writer of the movie, said. Martyr, sorry, not murder, said that, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but this movie is about someone that has hearing and loses it and becomes deaf. Not, you know what I mean? It's not like yes. it's a deaf guy. So in other words, the representation, I feel, was just in this. Yes. And again, he made up for it by actually getting people in the deaf community to do this because I don't think that you could really, I don't think it could be 100% convincing if you had a bunch of people that weren't deaf trying to pull that off. That's just what I think. I mean, I think that it does take a bit of... um the human element of, of really being deaf to pull that off and it, where it doesn't look fake. And I think that it's a, uh, it's sort of pointless right now to, to do that. Like to have a bunch of people do that when you can, when you can really have that, that quality reality of the movie, which I think is what saved this. Absolutely. I don't know about you. I just think that if they had people that were faking it, I, I don't know if I would buy into it as much. No. And that in the teacher, Lauren Ridloff, she's in walking dead. Oh, I haven't watched it for a long time. Yeah. She was, she's, uh, she does, um, she's deaf in the, you know, she does the sign language in, in Walking Dead. And it was a deal because they're like, yeah, we got a deaf person. Why would we hire someone and, and make the, no, we're just, and she's, she, it's really, really good how she can, when the zombies are coming, she kneels down and she touches the floor. They're like, what is she doing? They're like, she's very sensitive to that. That's how she knows that someone is walking on this dirt path. And I'm like, this is beautiful. And they kind of alluded to this at a certain scene. I don't want to ruin for people. But just seeing how vibrations are so... Oh, it was just beautiful. Oh, I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm glad you liked yes, it. Yes, I love this movie. I love this. It's not even a like. I loved this movie. What do you rate? I'm going to rate it a four out of five vibrating slides. Okay. I will give it a four out of five bleached eyebrows, sir. Because then my eyebrows were jacked up. <laughs> that joke looked crazy. <laughs> it did not look good. It She's a pretty crazy. girl, too. She looked weird, man. But anyway, yes. So it's a great movie. Check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, if you feel like stepping away from the comedy and the horror movies and then you just want to see a slice of life film, I think this is great. I think that uh, 
Riz Ahmed may get an Oscar for this one, or at least nominated for an Oscar for this one. I, I personally think so. But we'll see. It's been a weird year. I don't know what the hell they're going to do for the Oscars next year, to be honest with you. Um, they, I think this better get an Oscar nominated, nomination because... At the very least, right? His anger at people trying to teach yes. him something. Like, he's me. Like, I would walk in and be like, look, I ain't going to be here for long. I'm chilling for like now. Why are you teaching me any of this? And the realization that, oh, you're, you're, you haven't come to, re- oh, it was just beautiful. Cause I would have been, I'd been like, I don't need to learn this. I'm going to be hearing soon. Oh, it's just, anyway. Yes. Four out of five. What, now, uh, what was your rating again? I gave it four out of five bleached eyebrows. There you go. Good four movie. All right, cool. Loving it, man. Nice. Loving it. So highly recommended from both of us that you check this one out. Let's move along. All right. Next up, let's talk about the Bee Gees. How do you mend a broken heart? I have been talking about this movie all week, you have. telling everybody about this movie, man. Mm-hmm. I have been listening to the Bee Gees all week long. I've been listening to the Bee Gees my entire life, first of all. So I'm not one of them people that's just jumping on the bandwagon, which would be a weird bandwagon to jump on, to be quite honest with you. The Bee Gees are an astounding band. I think Steve and I both have love for these guys. And for those that aren't familiar or tend to lump this band into the just disco genre, it's totally understandable. Totally understandable. That's what made them famous, like to us, because we they jumped on our radar for the most part with the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. They became part of this disco movement, and the next thing you know, well, I won't tell you what happens. You can find this out in the in the movie, but uh, disco goes the wrong way. Disco goes bad. Everything goes bad for them. These guys could have fallen off the face of the earth. They did not do that. Uh, this movie spans the course of I think it's like sixty two years, something like that. I mean, they started off back in the nineteen sixties, and have just become one of the greatest songwriting trios. This is just my opinion. Greatest songwriting trios in the history of music, in my opinion. I mean, I just think that they have written so many songs for people. A thousand songs this band has. Most of them written by Barry. And Barry Gibb, that is. And uh, it was just such a treat to watch this movie. You get to see the Bee Gees from their inception when they were like a five or six piece band to their breakup, which I didn't know they'd actually broken up. And then, of course, their recovery were because there was a long time where they just weren't they weren't talking. You know, they, they drifted apart for a long time. And when they got back together again, it was for love of just brotherhood, but it was also for the love of music. And I can only assume that when you are doing music with a sibling and you're so locked in that it would you'd almost feel naked not doing it with them. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it would feel if something would feel off by trying to do these things by yourself. And I think that's what brought them back together. This movie front to back for me was just a heartwarming first of all I love rock docs I just I'll watch anything but this one right here was really really close to my heart I learned so much about them one thing I learned Steve that maybe you knew and I just honestly didn't I had no idea that Robin sang equally as good as as Barry did I did not know that I thought that Barry was the one that carried the band and they just did like backups for him so I was very surprised being that I really do like the Bee Gees a lot and I don't just listen you know I haven't just heard their disco stuff that um I didn't know this. It blew my mind. Blew my mind. I thought he was just the quiet, goofy-looking guy that just was in the background holding his ear and singing along, you know what I mean, the the, the backing vocals. I was blown away. Did you know this about them? I didn't know a lot of things about them, but I'm going to let you finish. This is one of those ones where I can keep going. I'll probably go on too long, and I don't really want to give spoilers, per se, because we do have another review to do real quick. But um, like I said, top to bottom, this movie just fascinated me so much. I learned so much about the Bee Gees that I did not know. And what really surprised me was that there was this whole period in time with them where they were making music that was very reminiscent of the Beatles. Like, I had no idea about that. That blew my freaking mind. Makes sense. When they came out, 
it was Beatlemania. So everyone loved the Beatles. And, and, you know, I could imagine three teenagers from the Isle of Man that are just trying to, you know, trying to make it. Of course, you're going to, you're going to draw from your influence and you see these, your heroes, you know, getting the girls and being famous and all that. It, it's natural. that I think that's why a lot of the bands sounded like that back then. And that's why they all had similar names, like the Turtles and the whatever, you know what I mean? Like, there was a huge Beatle influence that's always been there, but back then it was massive because everyone wanted to do what the cool guys were doing. And I think that they were surprisingly good at it. It's amazing. Like, I really do plan on going back and listening to their old stuff because I was blown away. Like, this is good music. I just have never heard it before. I do hold their, you know, their disco shit a little close to the heart, really, because I think that more than, a, not, well, more than a woman, actually anything off of the Saturday Night soundtrack, but particularly more than a woman, Jive Talking and How Deep Is Your Love are some of the best songs that I've ever heard. I'm just being real with you. You don't have to agree with me or not, but that's how I feel. Love the, love the Bee Gees. What did you think? It was fantastic. I mean, look, I, I love hearing about a group that I never really knew much about. I knew enough about their music, but I learned so much about them and their songwriting. That's my main thing, their songwriting process, how they came yeah. up with ideas, um, how uh you know i already knew about how the disco the disco the disco burning thing was very trumpian to me and i didn't realize Dude, how I trumpian got... it was until I was oh like, yeah oh it started even it was happening then and the guy was like oh yeah it was straight up it was racist and homophobic straight that's up. what it was he's like some of these aren't even disco albums you just brought a black album in and just said i'm gonna burn it didn't they drop songs in the key of life in there yeah one of them uh, and and he said he's like um it was a uh they were putting fantastic mu- movie uh, music out that was also lifting up other forms of the disco thing it was just they were also lifting up other people in their wake because they were here's also what I didn't know how monstrous they were I knew they were famous I knew they were popular but we don't take into consideration how big these guys were. They were humongous stars. Like when you look at their arena situation, you're like, Jesus Christ. They were, and and also we, uh, uh, in music, very rarely does a musician come into favor. uh, People say, okay, you guys are finished and then come back bigger. That doesn't happen. It really does not happen. And then leave again and come back in a different form successful. Yeah, exactly. Still being like kind of equally successful, just in oh, a yeah. different In a different you know, form. A different realm. Yeah. And we yeah. have that. And as, as far as what the, now mind you, remember, like the story is, in the hunt, when the hunter's the only one telling the story, he always bags the lion in True. his story because he's the one alive. Barry admitted in the beginning, like, look, this is from what I've seen. This is what I remember. And from what he's saying, he is the one saving this group every time. Like, he's like, we got to come back and do that. We got to come back. and We got to come back and do this. Now, probably the conversations were a little different. Yeah, I have my theory on that. <laughs> I caught that, too. I'm glad that you picked up on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, didn't take, I didn't take it like he was being a dick. No. But perception is truth. You know what I mean? It would be like, I know this, I know we can't compare these things, Steve, but it would be like if, like if we were famous and they did a doc on us and they asked you to, Hey, tell us the story of heroes and noise. And then they asked me, it would probably be two different stories. 
So kind of makes sense, but yes, I don't think that they they portrayed him as like. No, uh, he's not you know, that guy. He's just no, saying, matter of fact, I find him to be one of the most humble people in rock and roll. Man. I don't I deny the fact that he's probably the one that picked up the phone. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, you know, after that, who knows what that conversation looked like? Who knows who yeah. came up with the songwriting idea? Um, but it was a beautiful portrait of people that. Um, there's this great quote I recently uh, heard from Thelonious Monk. He he said, "Play songs that you, write songs that you and your band want to play, not that people want to listen to." And that's what they did. They wrote songs that they wanted to sing, not that would make them famous. They wrote songs that they wanted to sing in the studio and have fun with it. And that's what gets you famous when you just happen to love a thing you're doing. And it just so happens that the wave is right in sync with that. Oh, yeah. You timing know, was everything. Timing was ever, just like Elton John. For a while, he admitted everything I touched. It just happened. And then it goes away. And the dope thing is that the Gibbs understood that um, he didn't try to be like, okay, let's make a, another album with us. No, he's like, okay, our time has passed. Why don't we start writing for people? He's, it was a smart move. He's like, we are always going to be linked with disco. Our time is done. We can either sulk in it or we can move the hell on. Which one do you want to do? And it was a gorgeous portrait of how your career ends when you end your career. That's when it ends. Or do you want to reinvent yourself as something else? And let me tell you something, man. As a songwriter, Barry Gibb and the Gibbs are up there with the masters. As a musician, here is the signature of how good you are. When, if I write a million incredible songs and the highlight of someone tangentially to me is that they were involved with one of my masterpieces, that being involved with one of my masterpieces changed their life. That piano player was like, I did How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? No, no, no. I did. Um, I, how, gonna, I did. Um, how deep, how is, deep your is your love? He's I was like, just going to talk about him. Yeah, go like, ahead. Oh man, it just changed. But for the Bee Gees, it was like that was just one of a billion I did. But that fact that you were involved with that one changed your life. Did how, you see how emotional? A, his name is Blue Weaver, by the way. But did you see when he was talking about that that scene? Almost cried. And he's talking about how like I'll never forget it. And he had tears in his eyes. Like yeah. I almost got emotional right there because it, it was like. You know, he wrote this beautiful song or helped write this beautiful song that will float around in the atmosphere for the remainder of our lifetimes, for sure. You know, it's just this beautiful, well-written, well-sung song. And he had this part to do with it. With And when you hear the instrumental, like he was doing some really cool shit. I was wondering if you appreciated that. I learned it. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting turn. Because we've heard the chords before. Like, yeah. they sound familiar because that's what amazing songs do. It makes you feel like you've heard the song a million times. Where you have it, they just chorded these beautiful... Here's what I will say. No one else would have come, come along with that. It was a very singular a singular Bee Gees thing. But when you hear Bee Gees talk about it, it was... It, when you Like, if you look at the documentary again, they didn't really talk about that song in amazing... Oh, my... It was just another song they wrote. Yeah. For him. Like, ain't nothing but a thing. For him, yeah. though, it was everything. Highlight of his life. For Barry, it was just like, yeah, that's what, it's just, it was just a song. He asked for a really, the best love song ever. He's like, oh, let me put this out. 
And he could have just kept on talking about something else. Dude, that is the crazy part about it. And again, this is all about opinions, which is definitely one of mine. But literally, I need the best love song ever. Here you go. Yes, <laughs> no biggie. Oh, shit, thanks. No biggie. <laughs> you, you did it. Thank you very much. And then where he's just like, and then the That's sun so shone in through the church or through the place. And I know that that music. And Barry is just like, yeah, it was just, a, you know. I saw the sun in her eyes, mate, and I wrote, "I see your, I see your eyes in the morning sun." Whatever, it worked. It's not as deep for Barry as it was for this guy because it's a difference. Day at the office, man. Yes, for him, the 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 keyboardist is a great keyboardist, but greatness spews out of Barry Barry Gibb, and so he was just like, "Oh, it was just a thing." So it it doesn't mean as much because he's so used to creating amazing things. You know what I'm saying? And and also, I'm not going to spoil because I want actually the people that are you know in out there creating music or whatever, check out how they made the drum track for. Uh, oh, for, I was just um, going to talk about that, man. Um, staying alive, staying alive. Watch that, and let me tell you something. Um, they they kind of they don't gloss over it too much, but they do not give these two guys what these two guys actually created. They yeah. didn't talk about. They actually created something that we use today. They were like, oh, instead of doing this thing, why don't we make it easier on ourselves and do that thing? Now, mind you, it wasn't easier for me. In a musician's brain, they were like, it would have been just been easier for us to do that thing. Well, these but, days, and I'm putting it lightly, it's a five-minute process. It is a five-minute process. Versus what these guys did. Yeah. These guys did it manually and do you understand how when you see them with a razor blade and you see what they did you have to understand that loops have to be exact yeah and what these guys did was the equivalent to surgery for five minutes (laughs) they took two perfect bars that they liked they got some scissors and a bunch of scotch tape, and they and they made history. It's, a, it's that simple. And it mind does, you, it really did, it didn't work out that simple, but that's really what that's how exactly simple it is. What happened? And and the, the the hard thing is, music when we when we play something, we're not perfect. We're not. We don't quantize it. We're not quantized, so we're not perfectly timed. They took a slightly imperfectly timed thing and made something perfect. Over and over, how many times that loop had to go through for five minutes? perfectly it and they just they're like oh and they did this and then they move on to the next scene i'm like isn't that a documentary in itself right there yeah and you know what was crazy is the way that they had to do that too by using things that you normally wouldn't i mean granted scissors and tape but i'm talking about like the uh, mic stands and things like that that they used to do that Uh, there's some i don't want to get off course but if you watch that beastie boys documentary that's out right now on apple tv mca did something very similar for that these guys broke ground dude. yeah yeah i was i was blown away when i saw it when mca did it but i'm like oh the bgs did this? well not really the bgs but the bgs crew did that shit back in the day i guess it wasn't unheard of because the person that thought of doing this went to the school of, i think it was it went to berkeley college and had messed with that kind of thing before but i don't know if it's ever officially been done as a full-on loop you know what i mean that's in a very popular song so well nothing it, it is my mind it hasn't been that. in anything i could promise you this it wasn't used in anything that turned out to be as popular as that is. That is a massive song. Up to that point, um, I wouldn't be surprised if 
um, that soundtrack, the thing that knocked it off was Thriller. As far as highest selling album of all time. Yeah, because it held the it top held notch it. for a long time. And remember, the people that beat them is Thriller. Meaning, <laughs> these guys just threw together a soundtrack that was only beat by the best producer of all time coming together with the best artist of all time coming together with the best musicians and songwriters of all time. That's the only thing that knocked it off from these three brothers. Come on, bro. What are we talking and about? And let me right tell now? you about three-part harmony with these guys. Oh, they dude. had three-part harmony like I've never heard before. Dude. Like what I meant was like when I said that Robin Gibb I wasn't really familiar with everything he'd done. I, and I didn't give him enough credit for his accomplishments. There was something that just, this thing is chock full. This, this document is chock full of like celebrity appearances. You got Noel Gallagher, Mark Ronson, uh, Lulu back in the day, Nick Jonas, who was a very good pool, by the way, because he's, you know, three brothers that are big. I think that was a very good, whoever thought of that, pulling him in was, was doing some That documentary is fantastic too. The Jonas yeah, Brothers documentary is another excellent what, documentary. Way better than it should have been. It's even got Eric Clapton in it. I know you were excited when you saw his face, Steve. Chris Martin from Coldplay. But there's this part with Justin Timberlake and he's talking about their three-part harmony and he, and he nailed it. There's a part in Staying Alive where it's like, eh, 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 yeah. eh, Staying Alive. Yeah. He said they were so good and they knew it that that should have been horns. But they were like, nah, we got this. And they just did it with yeah. their voices because really they could, because they were that good. There were parts, uh, How Deep Is Your Love is actually one of those parts where Robin and Barry are singing. The very first lyrics are singing at the same time. And it sounds like one person. I thought it was Barry doing a double. I didn't. I knew it was yeah, a double. I, I did not know it was Morris. I thought it was a double or two. I thought that's what they used, a doubler effect on him or something like that. And um, you know what? Hold on. Just for example, if for people that aren't, you know, I'm not like I'm all technical, but if you don't know what a doubler is, it's basically when you take your voice and you, you, you put, put a, a second, second layer over it like that. that. That's, That's what we're referring to. I think the person that does the doubles the best, um, the one of the people that do doubles the best is Jerry Rafferty. Also Simon LeBon. Oh, he does them too. He does them really good. It's just the fact that Jerry, you almost can't tell. He's that exact with his voice, where it's just like, oh, even his vibrato is exactly his vibrato. And then when you listen to Barry, nope, you change your mind. The fact that another person can sound identical to another person yeah. is mind-blowing. They're that good, but they were brothers. Like someone said, it's a superpower that they sound so good together. It's a superpower because it's in their DNA. They sound like, the, and it's just, a beautiful explanation of why they're so good, but even that doesn't give it to you. There, it was as much as they're like, oh, what happened is they wrote a bunch of terrible songs. That's how they got good. No, they didn't. They didn't. They, from what this documentary is showing me, they had it from jump. They had the perfect formula for success too. Their parents were like totally supportive, followed them. You know, when even when they were adults, they followed them to America. Hey, Which we're can with sometimes you. be terrible, i.e. the Jackson 5. If you have the wrong parents. Yes, that's true. You know, you, you could be like, I don't even want to be under this person anymore. They're a, a driver. Now, mind you, they, he could have also been like, I don't want to throw my dad under the bus. I could get that too. But from what I've said, he was a great dad that just wanted him to be successful. That's it. Yes, a Joe Jackson he was not. <laughs> exactly. 
You know what I mean? I mean, the results speak for themselves. I mean, the results speak for themselves. That's true. (laughs) This is very true. (laughs) Another thing I did not realize is that Morris was a really good bass player. Like, I've always loved the bass line for Jive Talking, and I didn't know he did that shit. I just, there was just these little things. Yeah, I'm like, oh. Oh, I mean, huh. it's, it's really also the whole I'm this is one thing I won't spoil people. You need to watch the documentary just to see because in my brain, Barry always sung like that. Oh, yes. <laughs> in my brain. I love it. Always t- sung like that. Wait till you see how it happened. And that's how magic does happen. It just oops. That just manifested itself and i was like i love that little they could have kept that out but i yeah. love that little story that it's just like i don't Me know too. it sounded interesting and i didn't know i could well anyway watch the documentary it was just little vignettes of beauty are strewn throughout this amazing i think like frank marshall man i can't I, that's why when he, if he's in charge of this documentary for paul mccartney dude i know and it, here's the sad part about the document. There's one thing we're both going to agree on. The saddest part about both documentaries is that um, ex, uh, people aren't there. Other friends aren't there to be involved. Neither one has yeah. the full cast. And the right. last quote he says in this movie almost brought tears to my eyes. He's expressing how much he misses his brother's. And what he wouldn't give to have them back. And I thought it was just the most heart-wrenching. For them to end on that, I'm like, oh, that's a director directing this. <laughs> this isn't a doc. Yeah. This is a director being like, I've just ended a story for you. Here you go. And it was just beautiful, dude. The whole thing, it's just, it's just, uh, um, and then they, they, and there's one part where they show them later on in life. Just singing around a microphone. And I'm like, I know people, I know four singers right now that can do an amazing job and could not do it that well. That harmony around the mic, just singing. I know great singers I could pull and they could not do that. Beautiful. I remember back in the 90s when Morris was wearing the hat and the yes. duster yes. <laughs> and, and uh, Robin was, yeah. Anyway, that era is when they did this comeback concert and it aired on, I don't know, it was like Showtime or something like that. And, you know, back then I didn't quite have the, even though I've always loved the Bee Gees, I didn't have the technical appreciation for these guys. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of that just happened a few days ago. Like I've, I've learned so much about them in a short amount of time. But I remember watching that concert and going, they still freaking got it. Like they still got it. They still sound amazing. And they put on this fantastic show. And, and I remember that they toured. And I was like, son of a bitch, why didn't I go? But I was I was just into a different kind of music back then. But if I had in my head what I have now back then, oh, I'd have caught the Bee Gees a couple of times, dude. I mean, it's just a it's a beautiful story, you guys. And gorgeous. I really can't speak highly enough about this. There are just so many heartwarming parts. The, the part that uh, Steve was just talking about, about uh, a certain song and how it's made. It's magic. Magic. It's freaking magic. And it, it, the only way that you're really going to experience that and, and take our work, you know, and, and get what we're saying, I should say, is by watching this. So if you have HBO Max, this is the first thing you should watch, in my opinion. Check it out. It makes the purchase of HBO Max just for that alone. Honestly, it's that good. I'm ready to give a rating, Steve. Are you? Well, last thing from a director's point of view. Oh, yeah, please. I, we can, I'm keep just, I'm we can keep to, going. I'm talking to Dan because you've seen it. 
okay. and talking to everyone who's seen it. Let me tell you a brilliant shot they did. There's a shot that really was just like, this is a director. There's a shot where they're ending a concert and they're they're doing these hits, boom, boom, and they're interspersing that with people burning their albums in a um, stadium where they're showing little did they know that this was happening. They're at the top of their game. Little did they know. That's the scene from the Oakland Coliseum. Yes, little did they know that this is what they're coming back to. It was like, oh my God, like in this stadium, everyone's screaming and having a ball and they're ending this concert. We're just across the pond. This is happening. And I love how they're almost shocked by it all. They're like, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> like, what did we They got miss? caught in the middle of it. Exactly. It was like this weird thing where they're like, you know what? We're going to change our sound up a little bit. Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but we're going to change our sound up. We're going to keep it fresh. We just moved to Miami, you know, because of our producer telling us to do so. Let's go try something out. And they just added a little bit of Miami sound and suddenly, you know, it hits in the clubs. And the next thing you know, they're massive and Saturday Night Fever comes out and it's just another part that I felt uh, was one of the most important part of the movie is what happens after that. And with this whole scene with the Coliseum and, and the, uh, the baseball stadium and everything Jesus. like that, these guys got caught in the crossfire when they were just simply passing through. I don't think they would have said, hey, you know what? Let's just continue to do disco the whole time. I think that they, we never really saw what happened because their career kind of got cut short by force. Oh, for sure. They were shut the fuck down for a, quite a while because of this big fiasco with disco. Makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, they show these instances or these uh, they show these examples of commercials, oh, dude, yes. and um, you know, just anyone that's wanting to make a buck and how they jumped onto the disco train and they just just drove it into a fucking mountain. That duck costume didn't even seem real. The disco duck was insane. I was yeah. like, I remember what that. Are shit. we doing? I mean, and and Barry is mad during an interview, like pissed. Oh yeah. Like legit. Oh, remember when he's like, yeah, that, that <laughs> one with the like, eye roll? I was like, okay. Yeah. Can we do that? Thank you. Can we just change? Thank you. I was like, look at Barry. Look Dude, at no. Barry. That's what I said. I was like, well, look at him. And he did the little eye roll toward the camera. It's like this one part of Barry Gibb that you see throughout the movie that you don't see anytime else. It's just this one scene where he's just pissed and it's great. But I'm glad that they didn't try to continue the disco thing into the 80s. I'm glad. It, it's a great thing that they're just like they they were just they had to reestablish themselves. People, let me tell you something. Especially creatives. I don't care if you write. I don't care if you play music or if you want to be in movies. However, you're creative. This is essential. This right here, the story of reinvention that like I've never seen. I've never seen start out. They, then then you're not good anymore. You're not popular. Come back more famous than ever, then you're not popular anymore. Then come back as famous as ever in another form. I'm like, who did that? Who the Bee Gees. Did that? The freaking <laughs> Bee Gees. If, you, when, if you're like, oh, I guess my time is over. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. What is your next move? Oh, it's such yeah, a... It's, o- it's only over if you're finished. That's it. Are you, you done? Know? And Barry never was. Jesus, man. He it's such never a, was. Such... And I, you know, I'll be honest with you, too. I felt inspired after Absolutely. watching that. I felt inspired. I just felt like, you know what? I mean, it sounds silly, Steve, and I'm going to be real, and I'll put my stupid self out there for just a second, is that I worry about the show all the time, this show. Like, and I, I'm not comparing us to the Bee Gees, but I'm saying, you know, this is the, this is one of the import, most important things to me in my personal life is this podcast. I love it. And... 
you know, in my head, it tends to do the waxing and waning as well. But the only thing that I really took from that is that it was just what Steve said. It's, you know, and or maybe it was what I said. You're only finished when you're done. You know, mm-hmm. and and I just felt so inspired after watching that. I'm like, I had like a ten ideas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as soon as I finished watching, them, I'm like, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try and set this up for next year. I'm gonna do this, and uh, it's just it's just such an inspiring movie. And I think that even if you're not a fan of, first of all, if you go, I don't like disco, you're cheating yourself out of a fantastic movie. Yeah. Cause it's just not, that's, that's just not them. I understand. Like I said at the beginning, I understand why you feel that way, but you are cheating yourself out of a fantastic movie and an even more fantastic story by subscribing to that belief. Go and watch this man. And another thing that I think that last thing I'll say is, um, there's a certain part where they tend to go more towards songwriting. You know, this is in the later years. And if you're not like a fan of the Bee Gees and you don't know their, the songs that they've written, that Barry Gibb has written, I think you're going to be surprised. I you're was. Like, oh, shit. I was. See, I wasn't. You know, what, you know what? <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all. But what was really cool about it was that, and it didn't even take like me knowing this. When you hear those songs, those are Bee Gees songs. Oh, like, dude. Those are straight dude. As soon as I heard them, I was like, oh. At first, you're like, oh, they wrote the, oh, okay. Yep. Like the, the, um. Well, there's a part with Do- with Dolly and uh, yeah, Islands in the Stream. As soon as I Dolly w- and Kenny Rogers, I was like, oh, he they wrote. And then I'm like, wait a minute, yeah, I can hear them singing it. <laughs> yeah, they wrote that mm-hmm. song, and and I'm not. I'm saying they. I'm gonna assume that they all had, but there is definitely a signature. There's a signature thing that I hear very Barry. There is a signature he has. What about Heartbreaker, Dionne Warwick? That's a total Barry Gibb song right there. I had never heard that song before in my life. Oh, really? But but you you know what I mean, though, oh, right? Oh, no, you hear, it's like, totally. Oh, that's totally a beach. And then song. Diana Ross out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. this that is around the surprising. I'm Coming Out time, isn't it? Mm, close. I think it might have been before. I could oh, be wrong. Oh, I didn't Maybe know. Maybe it was the same. No, no, don't quote me. It could have been the same exact year. I don't it know. It smells like it. A little bit. Yeah, it smells bit. like it. But people, okay, well, Dan's ready, ready. What are you, what are you giving this? I am giving this a the strongest five out of five started jokes. I am going to give it the strongest five out of five bridge beats. Nice. That was another favorite part of the movie for me. Even though I knew that story, it was I had never heard him tell it. It was really cool. It was people. I could have done a whole episode on. I could have done a music documentary episode. <laughs> Dude. I considered this. I considered saving this for Patreon and just talking about it the entire time. That's we how much I. I would have this loved doc. to do that. I mean, because now it's like everything pales. Like it's yeah. like this is. I am so glad that you talked about this. Because remember, you had said you've talked about it. I think you talked about it on the show, and then you asked me in a text to watch it. I would not have watched this movie. Oh my god. So glad you did. Because I knew, I was like, I, I and know. And I'm sure you're glad you did. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing. Uh, it may, it gave such fire being like, you just don't know what people are going to like. You just do what you like. You never, people are so flint. You never know. And then tomorrow you're not. But just do what you love and put it out there, even if it's based on a bridge beat that you had. Do it. Who knows? Have fun. Yeah. And one more thing. If you're fighting with your family right now and you think it's fixable, fix it because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And I'm not saying you're going to turn to the Bee Gees and be successful, but family is important. You know what I mean? And and, uh, this displays it so well. 
you know, the, the camaraderie was there and then the inner turmoil. And I don't think that we really talked enough about Morris. You were saying about the whole, uh, the hunter always tells the story a little bit better thing. I think that if, uh, I had to guess just from what I saw, because they do show footage of Morris and uh, Robin talking a lot. So you feel like they're in the movie with Barry. They're just not, you know, obviously it's just old footage, but I think that, uh, Morris was probably the unsung hero that kept that oh, band together. Absolutely. That's how it seemed to me. That's what it smells like. And that's and I I just yeah. it's just a beautiful story of brothers and it starts out with him, you know, explaining how he's like I can't believe they are not on this earth anymore. Like every day he's just unbelievable. And oh, I'm like, dude, broke that's my heart years. just hearing that. <laughs> just hearing that knowing that if you've lost especially during this time it's like knowing that that's forever. He lost them years ago. And he's like, I cannot believe they're not here. I was like, oh, God, am I going to be able to deal with this? Am I going to be? Mm. But then they immediately be like, let's take you to a happier. Um, that's a director, bro. And I love when rock documentaries start off with, uh, you know, they're walking to stage. Yes. Walking to go on stage. I just love that. And you can hear the crowd. Like, ah, ah, oh, dude. It's just so awesome. I'm going to send so. you a video. Uh, there's a video that you're. I didn't know you liked that because I look for that stuff. Remember the remember because there was a million back in the day, a million Michael Jackson documentaries of him walking in that outfit at to the stage and running up the stairs. You're like, oh my god, it's happening! But there's yeah. another one where they're showing uh, Prince backstage dancing to James Brown with his band, like clapping his hands, and they're gone and he's still dancing. And all of a sudden, he's just walking around this corner, and then he stands in front of a curtain, and the curtain opens, and it shows him, and he shows him <laughs> in his pocket and his hat just walking toward oh. the mic and everybody's like, and I said, Oh my God. Like I didn't yeah. realize how much I love that moment where he's standing in front of the curtain and it just opens and he just has his hat. Dude, I love those. I, moments. They, hey, they do that shit for a reason. I am a sucker for that shit. I, I am a so please sucker. Send that to me. I watched kiss do it. Like walking through the back hallways of the stadium in their outfits. And I'm like, Oh, I'm getting, I'm like, I don't even listen to kiss, but I'm getting like nervous. Seeing them being like, we're about, like them fist bumping the people who work backstage and stuff, being like, all right, have a good show. I'm like, oh my God, it's happening. Yeah, it's a feeling I'll never experience, man. And I, I just, uh, it's got to be one of the best feelings in the world. You, you know right what's funny? Before you walk out, or right as you're walking on stage. You Here's know? the thing you never know. How do you know that the, the pod, you don't do a live pod? And people are just like, you know, they do that in the back of Comic Con. Never put out what's not going to happen. I've learned that from this this documentary too. Yeah, that's, that's true. I appreciate what you're saying, but you know, I was just for for the reference of that particular I get, scene. Totally, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just there's just something that's so magical. No one's gonna experience like you know watching like seeing Freddie Mercury like getting ready for Live Aid. The only reason that gives me chills is because I know what's actually gonna what's to come. That's yeah. what I'm seeing. for him. It's just another day, you know, having fun running on set. But I'm like in my brain, I'm like. I know what is about to happen, but the crowd doesn't know what is about to happen. So I'll send you the video of Prince having fun and then uh, musicology, and then the, the, uh, the curtain opens. You're like, oh, I was, we went to that show. <laughs> we went to the musicology show. Yeah. And so, yeah, but um, people, if you, and there's a lot of YouTube uh, that's not official documentaries, but there are a lot of fun YouTube documentaries too. So check those out also. Um, again, five out of five. The Bee Gees. Man, what can you big. say? What can I freaking, what can, I mean, it really, like I said, I'll say it again. When 
when your splash makes someone's whole career, it's just a wake of your wave when they're just like, oh, it was the best day of my life. And I'm every time I hear that song, I cry. And for Barry, it's just like, that's just another one of my million songs for me. That's another day. Yeah. For for him, it's his life. To him, for, for Barry, it's like, okay. I assure you guys, we haven't even scratched the surface. We didn't even get into the bear, no. to uh, Andy Gibb or any of that stuff. There's so Which much is with heartbreaking. This. It's heartbreaking. But even if you're like, and I'm not trying to like say you don't know this because of your age, but if you're like, you know, in your young 20s or something like that, and you don't really know who the Bee Gees are, don't worry about it. Watch this movie. It's inspiring. It's magical. It's heartbreaking. It's everything, man. Like the name, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart, is perfect for oh, this fan And also, so. people, here's the thing. I It was last year that um, I had only heard the Bee Gees version. And my mom was like, you never heard Al Green's version of How Do You Mend a Broken? I was like, no. She said, that's normally the version that we hear. I said, I only heard the Bee Gees version. And I was like, let me hear Al Green's. Oh, and so I was good. like, oh, that's a really good, oh, that's a, I, in my, in my pantheon of redos cover songs, I'm like, I never even put that because I never heard it. But my mom was like, from where you come from? Normally, that's the only version we know is the Al Green. It was the first version I heard. You heard the Al Green version? And honestly, pretty late in life that where it like stuck with me. Uh, I've talked about this movie several times. I know you haven't seen it, but I really do recommend you watch this movie. It's called Notting Hill with uh, oh, I'm surprised Pete, you haven't actually Notting Hill with Hugh Grant yeah. and yeah and uh, and uh, da, 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 come on now Roberts. Oh my God, Julia. I just blanked on it. Jesus Christ, how do I blank on Julia Roberts' name? But yes, that you know what's funny? The, I just um, because I'm part of a, a Reddit group, movie details and um, making of movies, and I'm also um, on this. You know, they have they have these massive glossaries of where films were shot and how you visit those films. You, know? you want to see the blue door, don't you? Yes. And so I'm just like, oh, someone put the blue door. I'm like, what the crap is this? They painted over it so you can't find it because the people living there got so sick of people coming. I was like, why is people tripping over this movie? And now hearing you say something about it, I'm like, oh, that's funny. People travel there and they can't find the door anymore. They're like, yeah, the owners painted over it. So we're saying from our community, stop doing that. Like, leave her alone. Pretty smart. You know what I'm saying? I would do the same thing. Yeah, but people... But anyway, about that movie, though, there's just this one scene Mm -hmm. that that song carries the whole scene, and it's just so beautifully done, and that's what, honestly, what made me like this movie so much. It was like, oh, it just hits so well with the emotions that it just made me love that movie. And one thing about that song as a singer, uh, like for all the singers, you have to have a lot of confidence to sing a song that slow. You have to have confidence in your voice. Because you have to hold out notes. It's a slow song. And you have to trust your voice. And let me tell you, Al Green trusted his voice. He, I saw him do that song live. No, you did not. At Fresno Fair, of all places. Did he kill it? Yeah. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was later on in life? It was later on in life. But ah. it was still like, oh my God, I'm watching this though. You know what I mean? I, I've seen Al Green in concert. That's something that a lot of people can't say. I so. love my... Well, I'm it's, happy about Since it. it's the first I heard, obviously the Bee Gees version is the one... Uh, that it's just like it it I just think it's a beautifully written song. I'm like, this is a heartbreaking uh uh like when you love someone like that <laughs> and, you know because a million people had said you broke my heart, but it's so wonderful to be like, how do you mend a broken heart? It's like what a beautiful idea. What a yeah. beautiful idea of a song. And like as if you accidentally say that 
I wouldn't be surprised if all the brothers would be like, write that down. Whoever just said that, it's a perfect name. Yeah, you nailed it. It's like everyone's been through the broken heart thing, but no one said, hey, but how? But where do we go from here? Exactly. No one's been like, oh, but on the other side, how do we do that? And for him to be like, oh, no, I don't answer that. I'd just be like, well, how do you do this? How do you do this impossible thing? Who knows? I'm like, oh, what a beautiful light. That's just fantastic. That's just fantastic. We literally could talk about this an entire yes, podcast. Yes. We have one more one more quick review to do, and I think that people need to know about this movie. So the movie that I am talking about is a movie that I was not expecting to like quite as much. Mm -hmm. uh, it is called Freaky. Came out in 2020. It just came out, actually. After swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer, a young... This is weird. What a weird contrast going from BGs to this, yeah. but it's worth it. After swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer, a young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent. This sounds maybe a little like Freaky Friday. Guess what? It's because it's supposed to be like Freaky Friday, but we're putting a serial killer and a high school girl in this. And it stars Vince Vaughn, who hasn't really been around much, at least on my radar lately. Uh, I'll talk about what I think about him in just a second. And Catherine Newton as Millie. Uh, Vince Vaughn plays the butcher who's the serial killer. Uh, the rest of the cast is Celeste O'Connor, Misha Osirovich, uh, Emily Holder, Nicholas Stargle, and a slew of other people. I really, I'm just going to be quick about it because I know we got to get going, Steve. I think this movie might be one of my favorites of the year as far as comedies. Oh, wow. I, 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 it's, it's, a, it's not a laugh, like belly laughing yes. kind of a movie, but there, is, there are a couple of scenes. One scene in particular takes place in the back of a car Yes. That just gave me like I was not only was I laughing at what was going on on the screen, but I'm laughing, imagining what must have taken place while they were filming this particular scene. When the jokes hit in this movie, they hit really hard. And at least that's what I think. And the other thing that really surprised me about it is that I think Vince Vaughn has kind of fallen off over the course of the few, last few years. This is the best Vince Vaughn I've seen in a really long time. It's funny. I laughed. It wasn't the um, the traditional Vince Vaughn with the quick wit fast talking, you know what I mean? That, that heavily insulting kind of guy, sarcastic. It's a different role for him. He's done things that are kind of, you know, different from his normal, but um, I really think that this was great and kind of put him back in, in good graces with me. Uh, loved it. Hilarious, violent, gory, something I wasn't expecting. There is uh, possibly kill of the year in this movie that I'm going to have for the noisies. At least it's, it's definitely going to be a contender uh, what else? Let's see. I think that the supporting cast was great. I think that uh, the girl that played Millie was fantastic. And I think that the way that they played each other was great. I don't know. I'm actually curious to see what you think. I have a feeling you didn't like this movie as much as I did, but I will just quickly tell you folks that I think it's fantastic. I mean, it's not going to be when I said it was the best. I'm talking about like it's one of the comedies that really made me laugh most out of the year. Am I going to put this to where it's winning movie of the year in the noises? No, but it's highly entertaining. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think about it, too. So you can always hit us up at Heroes of Noise podcast at gmail.com you can hit us up on facebook i'm curious what your thoughts are steve go for it i thought it was good i thought it was a really it was better than it had any business being i watched it i didn't get up uh to do anything so i was i was i was in the the the, the back seat again the back seat uh i agree was a funny a funny scene um it's it was just a fun movie if you get if you have a chance to like rent it for like four dollars totally worth five dollars even totally worth it it's a, a perfectly enjoyable film it's vince vaughn back to doing what vince vaughn does um he needs to stay out of whatever the crap he be doing off scene just do what you do well and just chill on the other stuff he does this very 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 well and it's back to it's, it's him back to form where he's just vince vaughn physical comedy yeah having fun do now i do i do want to uh it, it brings a want to see him back in his fast talking 
you know, him and, you know, he and Favs together. I don't see that happening, though. But, um, you know, it'd be fun to see him do that. But all the actors were good. Uh, everyone knew exactly what movie they were in. The cop sister was annoying for some reason. I could have dealt know without what? I her. I agree with you. I don't know what yeah. her thing was. I don't know why she just annoyed. I was like, what is her? They could have they could have done without her. I loved it. I thought it was, I was, um, yeah, I was purely entertained. Thoroughly entertained. Nice. What's your rating, sir? I'm going to give this a, I'm not even going to ruin it. I'm not going to even say, because that's a great, that's a really, really, really good kill. Kill of the year, I'm telling you. Um, I will give it 2.5, 2.5 football mascots. I'll play around a little bit. Uh, I will go ahead and give this, what'd you give it, 2.5? Yes. Okay. I'll give this one three out of five shoulder injuries. That's a really good uh, rating. I think we, we actually, th- these were three good, mo- two good movies. Two or three? Three. Sound of Metal. There it is, Sound of Metal. Three. These are three good movies we saw. And so I'm, I'm very excited that none of them were like, why did we watch this? Life is too short to be watching these bad movies, Doug. <laughs> exactly. Dan wants to be fist bumping people backstage. So he, he got things to do. He got <laughs> things to handle. And ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for listening. Dan, thank you for sticking in there, bro. My pleasure, man. Hanging in there, man. Thank you. You know, I feel a little better after talking about the Bee Gees, believe it or not. Like, it actually excited me and kind of woke me up a little bit. That is fantastic. <laughs> we'll see what happens when I stop recording. You know, and you know what was funny about Justin Timberlake being on this uh, documentary, right? Yeah, I've been thinking about that scene a lot. or that. Uh, that <laughs> I've been thinking about that so- skit a lot lately. <laughs> talking it's it up so- on the very good talk show. <laughs> Think so about funny, crazy dude. cool medallions. And the fact that Jimmy for no reason makes Barry like a loose cannon when he obviously is not. <laughs> He's so so cool, comic collected. But there you go. I mean, that's that's the comedy, right? It's so funny. But anyway, I love you guys. Next voice you're gonna hear is Dan the Man. Peace. Guys, thanks for listening. I am glad that we were able to do this one for you. I don't see myself going out and not being able to record, but we'll see what happens. I, I think I'm going to be okay. Just to, just to say that, I think I'm going to be just fine. But it's been a pleasure talking with my man, Steve. It always is. I'm glad that we were able to get something out to you guys. And um, by the way, thanks for your patience with our inconsistency. December's been a crazy month, and we're just trying to get them out when we can. So anyone that's our Patreon patron, know that we will keep our promise. We will get you our two shows this, this month. It's just that uh, healthcare and you know, holiday music apparently take up way more time than we would ever expect, particularly in December. And I'm going to go ahead and stop right there because I can't talk anymore. I'm losing my breath and everything. My name is Dan Ramirez. That is Steve Hudson. We are the Heroes of Noise. People, be good to yourselves. Be good to the people around you because that's important. Peace. (laughs) 